So, all right, Kambala. Yes. How are you? I'm well. It's good to see you. You likewise. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, so you are. We just did our pictures. We did. We took some some beautiful pictures outside. Um, I don't know if you know a ton about what this show is, but I just wanted to hear your like life story. So why don't you tell everybody your name and who you are? Okay, my name and who I am, my life story. I want to get. I'm gonna give it to you. I feel like uh, I need to preface that it's, there's just a lot happened. So and pull it right. Pull it right here. Okay. Pull it right here. You can just yank it here. Okay. And just slide it. And it'll come a little closer. Okay. Yeah. Yes, a lot has happened. So I feel like um, it can get verbose, yeah. long-winded sometimes. That's but, okay. Um. Okay. So my name is Mbala. Um. Everyone who, most people who are very, very close to me uh, call me Mimi, Mm -hmm. Um, but I started going as Mbala when I started performing um, as an artist and songwriting. Um, And that was a decision that I made because Mbala is my given name. It's my real first name. Mimi is not on any of my, it's on my passport. It's not on anything. But um, Mbala is like a popular last name in my home country of Cameroon. And um, my dad was like, hey, you know, before the French colonized our country, we didn't have any Peter, John, Marie, all these things, right? So we had these African names. Um, So I'm not going to just make it a last name for you. You're going to have an African first name as well. So that's where Mbala came from. And for a long time, I just couldn't, I didn't really know. um, I think I was kind of like, I wanted to fit in, you know, like most kids. So I just didn't go by that. And then um, when I started pursuing what I feel is my my purpose, like as an artist, I was like, well, how am I, how do I present myself as the most authentic version of me? I was like, but going by my first name, by my real name, by my given name, um, which is Mbala. So um, that's that's that. Um, So I was born in Paris, France. My dad was a diplomat. Um, At the time, he was ambassador of Cameroon to the to the Democratic Republic of Congo, but they were in the middle of a civil war. And so our family got evacuated. And we, uh, so we were living in Paris and my dad was staying in the Congo. And then he eventually um, was, um, like he, the, the, he like came to the end of his mandate and he was now going to be ambassador of Cameroon to the United States of America. So at three years old, three, four, we moved to Washington, D.C. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I moved there with my siblings and my mom. And so I grew up in D.C. I'm a D.C. baby. I went to, first I went to like a Montessori school. And my mom didn't speak English. And I would complain about everything in English. And my mom was like, I cannot understand my daughter. Like, this this doesn't work. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Like, if she's crying and she's upset, like, I can't. I don't. I don't You're not know. a consoler. Yeah. yeah. So she needs to go to an international. Uh, uh, she needs to speak French. Yeah. So my brothers went to, like, the French school in D.C. Um, and I went to an international school. And that's the dominant language in Cameroon is, yeah. is still French. Um, I wouldn't say the dominant language, but it's it's one of the, um, the main. one of the main languages. So it's English and, and French for sure. Yeah. But my mom is from the French speaking part, okay. and my, my dad is also from the French speaking part. So, um, but he spoke English just you know by virtue of his profession and just needing to be like fluent. And he went to school in DC also, yeah. college and all that stuff. Um, but my mom didn't. So, um, but we are from the French speaking part. And so, um, yeah, so my, my, my brothers went to the French speaking school. I went to the international school 
And so that was how I was like continuing to speak French and like maintain my French and stuff, um, which was like in retrospect a really great decision. And like for all the ways that my mom is super annoying, I really value that she was like <laughs> very outspoken about that and made sure because even now, right? Like I don't have a million friends who speak French, but I'm still right. very fluent. I can, you know. Um, speak and write and all those things because I went to a school where I was learning French. Multiple like, languages multiple at a young languages age too, at a young which age. is the best time to learn it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I also have like an ecosystem too that like um, you know speaks French, even though I moved to North Carolina eventually and I didn't have anyone who spoke French. Then. No, I don't but, think so. Yeah, but, but having had that many years of French speaking, like it's still a thing. Right. So sometimes people will hear me speak and think that I know these big words and I'm like, I don't. It's just, that's just like the standard word in French and I'm just translating it. But um, So yeah, so I was in D.C. until I was about um, 18. But five days before my 18th birthday, um, my dad had retired at this point. He retired when I was 17 and he went back to Cameroon and um, he became a political prisoner. Um, wow. Yeah. And so he got arrested five days before my 18th birthday, which was like super devastating. Oh, I skipped a whole thing. I'll go back to that. But um, actually, I'll go back to I'll do it now. So when I was 13 in D.C., um, I was super active. I was like a sports person and, uh, you know, volleyball, basketball, all that stuff. And at 13, I was diagnosed with uh, synovial cell sarcoma. So that's like a rare cancer in my left foot. And so um, I was treated for cancer at uh, 13 at NIH, which was probably the thing that I and the, and the rest of my family expected the least. Um, and it just like put um, put a pin in a lot of my plans. Like I was playing basketball and volleyball and I was like, oh my God, I'm definitely gonna play volleyball in college. I'm definitely gonna, like these are all these things that I had like thought up for myself. And like that was just not happening. Just anymore. gone. Gone. Yeah. So. Um, what's that? Kind, what's that like to get that kind of news at that kind of age? Um. I was not the most like emotional. I I have I'm I'm just now learning how to process emotions. Right. So when I got that news, I think I was sad, but I was also happy because I didn't have to go to school for a year. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really like process what was happening. Like it was like months into me, you know, having, going through chemo and all these things. I remember one day actually, I didn't want to go outside and I like, at this point I've lost my hair. I've lost, yeah. all, you know, all the things that chemo does. And what age was this again? I was 13. 13. It's a tough time to, mm -hmm. to going through that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've lost my hair. I've lost, you know, all these things. And, um, I had a nurse, Nurse Kelly, and he, you know, he always wanted to, you know, he was like, he was a good nurse. He's like, let's go outside, let's do this, let's do that. And I was like, I don't wanna do that. Like, I wanna chill. And he was like, he was the nicest nurse. He was my favorite nurse. And he like, had to like stop me. And he was like, I remember he like pulled me, um, pulled my wheelchair and just stared at me. And he was like, you have a life-threatening illness. You need like, do you, you have a life-threatening illness. And he was like, you need to enjoy life right now. Because I never wanted to go outside. I never wanted to have fun. I was like, oh, let me just stay in here and watch movies. And he's like, 
it, you need to come to terms with the fact that you may not be here. Do you think you were not just taking it seriously because of your age? Or do you think that you were in a little bit of denial? Do you think you were... I mean, I think that I just didn't understand. I think I think it was my just, age. You just didn't understand. Yeah, I don't think I fully understood. Like, I knew I had cancer and I... Oh my God, like, that's what you do when someone has cancer. You freak out, you whatever, yeah. right? But... And I was feeling, like, pains and stuff. But I never really processed, like... I could die. And even what when that I... that even means. Right. That's Because right. even when I, like, knew, like, oh, cancer might kill me. Yeah. I still didn't, like think about what it means like to be gone right um and that's a lot to ask of a 13 year old yeah yeah and i but it it, the only time i would understand it is when i had to like uh when i would have conversations with different people in my family because i have four three older brothers and an older sister so i would see them respond to me being sick and then i would be like oh you're really sad yeah you don't yeah this is bad like you're really upset right um but I think me personally, I mean, I was just like, I think I was just going through all the side effects, right? I was, all the things that happen when you have chemo, the losing my hair. I'm freaking out that I don't have hair and I'm 13 and I want to be a cute girl and I'm walking outside and people think I'm a boy and, you know, things like that. Like, that's what I'm upset about. But not like, oh, like, I won't be here. Right. And, um... Because again, like I'm not, I don't have to go to school. I get to watch TV all day. There's perks for There's, a 13 year old yeah. that you can kind of rationalize yeah. and be like, okay, well, this is nice. And there are times where I feel really, really bad, right? right? But it was like, well, it's like being sick, you know? Right. But it's like I didn't, I never truly processed the severity of it. And I think maybe what made that happen is me having to get an amputation. And so the first time I got two, I got the first one, they just cut off the front half of my foot which sucked like what the hell like I don't have toes like this sucks like um and then they do this thing where they they call testing for margins to make sure that the cancer is gone and the margins came back positive so I was gonna have to have another one yeah more gone and so I remember like telling my mom that news and her having like a meltdown and also I'm just also used to I mean I love my mom but her having meltdowns, right? So I have like, um, I had learned to just like be stoic and like, com- have, you know, hold my composure and be strong for her. A because stiff upper lip and just be, yeah, just get through it. And- because I, what I started to realize is that people get more sad if they see that I'm sad. So I can't be sad. Was that your personality or was it cultural? Was that more? It's both. both? I think it's both. Yeah. I think culturally, like we're not super emotive. Yeah. But I also think it's, it is my personality to just like, you know, like, you know, just be strong about it because there's so many other things happening. You know, I, I had a brother who like, um, and again, 13, 13. Yeah. And at 13, I have a brother who is six years older than me, five, six years older than me. And he's going through his like adolescent phase and, you know, and he had been going through that a couple years prior. So he's like, I hate calling him the problem child because he's not. He's like a super talented, like free spirited kid. But the more fun child. The more fun child, yeah. right? And I, um, but culturally, the funness is like frowned upon. You right. know, the things he was doing right. were like, oh no. But I mean, otherwise, he was, you know, he was cool. Like he was cool. But um, to my parents, he was the problem child. So I was like, well, I can't be an additional burden. So totally. Um, he had to like. I couldn't also be sad about my situation while they were dealing with 
him. So, so you felt like you could, you, you had to kind of get on with it yourself. Yeah. Because they just, were dealing with something else. They were dealing with so many other things, yeah. you know, because it was also like. That's a big thing for you to be dealing with, though. I feel like him being an adolescent is like, well, well he'll be fine, you know, versus <laughs> what you're dealing with. But. You know, I want to think that, but in, in culturally, the things that he were doing were so dream, like, I think that if we were an American family, it would have been easier to like whatever, right? Yeah. But uh, being an African family and your brother smoking weed, More they like, oh my God, yes. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh my God, like they, they equate weed to like, you know, like hard drugs, like crazy, you right. know? So when that, it was just like, oh my God, like he's just lost. Like, it, and he's, you know, he's not, like he's right. fine, you know? Yeah, I know. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean because I have friends who are like Latino, or there's they're It's the same way. They're yeah, like very like if they if they were to like drink, their parents are thinking they're doing like heroin. Exactly. It's, it's like it's like zero to one hundred. Right. So in that moment, I'm just like, well, we can't worry about my cancer right now. Right. And I mean, we could worry about it, but like we could worry about it, but like I don't want to be more. Also, my dad was also of like of age. Like he was way he like I'm the fifth kid, and my oldest sibling is 15 years older than me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, so when they would lecture my brother, they would say to him, like, dad is old. Like, you can't do all this stuff. You could give him a heart attack. You could. So when, it, when I had cancer, I'm like, oh, I can't be, like, breaking down and causing, like, any type of pain. Gonna give because, him a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give him yeah. a heart attack. Like, I can't yeah. do that. So, so you got to just get yeah, through it. Exactly. Quietly. Exactly. On your own. <laughs> exactly. At 13. Which is stuff that just started. I mean, it hit me way later, you right. know? But, um, so, you know, I, I, I and got then this. everything that goes with that, too, because you were going through chemo, which is this whole thing. It's like, what, like nine months to a year, mm-hmm. plus the after effects. Plus the after effects. And then I. And I, then losing. The limb. So I have to twice. learn. Yeah. I have to learn how to walk again. And then also, when I lost my limb, I got an infection after the surgery. So there was that. Like, so I have to, you know, my brothers are now having to learn to change bandages and do all these things. And my dad had received this like doctorate at Dickinson College and I couldn't go. And it was like, it was a whole thing. Like mm-hmm. it was, was debilitating. Just, just yeah. completely took you and, and for a ride and wouldn't let you. Absolutely. Um, but because I wasn't focusing on sports anymore. I and was what, did you, what did you play? I played volleyball and basketball. Okay. So, so you're going from two of some of the most active sports where you're just like to not anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing you didn't play anything else. Those were the two things you played for the most part. Yeah. Well, I did um, shot and discus for track and field. Again, yeah. two things, that, three things mm-hmm. that, that you need. Your- I mean, I was active. I, yeah. was, I, was, I was super active. I mean, and I was getting awarded in all, in all my sports, too. I was never like going a season without getting awards. Like right. that was just, I stood out. So um, I remember, and that volleyball is how I figured out I had cancer. I remember like, I had these lucky shoes, but they were really tight. I shouldn't like I shouldn't have been wearing those shoes, but they were my lucky shoes. I had that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember like playing a game and every time every time I would take them off, I'd be like, Why does my foot feel so heavy? But whatever. I, when I was really little I played baseball until like I was like maybe right before high school mm-hmm. and I had a lucky bat. Mm. And I outgrew it at some point. Yeah. And still wanted to use it. Yeah. But they were like, it's it's made for someone who's right. like not even like six inches shorter than you, you can't use that. And I was like, and then as soon as I changed, it sucked. 
Really? I, not not probably realistically, no. But, <laughs> but in mentally, my mind, mentally, it's a thing. That's when I sucked. It's a thing. Yeah. Like I'm sure my shoes had nothing to do with it. Had they were to do these with like when I stopped silly, to practice. They were else. sambas. They were like yeah. soccer shoes. Yeah. Like I shouldn't even have been wearing them for to play volleyball. Like I needed ankle support. Yeah. Like stupid, stupid. But um, but I would take them off and they were tight and I would just feel like my foot was so heavy. Mm-hmm. And I remember joking to my mom like, Mom, I think there's a tumor. And she was like, Don't say that. Oh God. Yeah. She's like, Don't joke like that. Yeah. Sure enough, months later, yeah. tumor. The irony of that. Yeah, yeah, irony. But um, do you think it was anything related to that, or no? Just they were too tight of shoes. No, I think the the well, the, I think the shoes are what helped me realize that I, there was, it off. was there. There was something off because I think that if I was wearing regular size shoes, I would have it would have taken longer for me to pick up on the fact that something was wrong. So um, and the specific term for what it was was what was synovial it? cell sarcoma which is like a rare uh tumor it happens in adolescence and it's like uh I and think does it usually happen there or did you just happen to have it, it there? yeah uh it usually happens in your extremities, extremities. yeah in your extremities so it could have been your hands or tendons your feet. yeah t- hands or feet Jeez. tendons connected to bones and ligaments which is why i had to be get an amputation because they couldn't just carve it out because it was connected to my bones yeah. so um I mean, that happened, and um, I, you know, I did my eighth grade graduation on crutches, and I, you know, I did the whole thing, because it's like, it was like eighth grade, they weren't going to hold me back, like, whatever, you know, Um, but I did that whole thing on crutches, and um, I, I, I went through high school, but the thing is, I will say the rest of high school, like, I didn't care. Yeah. Like I, I, I was in the IB program and I was doing chemistry higher and biology higher and econ higher and all these things. And like, I wasn't doing my homework. I wasn't going to class really. I wasn't. And I mean, that became a problem after a while. And, but it was just like, for me personally, mentally as an adult, I now I'm like, I did not care. I was like, I'm recovering from cancer. There my, were bigger things. Going there were bigger things. You. And then my dad was going through this whole thing where he was about to become a political prisoner, probably like it was, there was too much going on. So I didn't. So now your dad, and not to like distract from that, but your dad was the ambassador to the United States. He ended up going back. So he, re- he yeah, he retired. He had okay, been so. wanting to retire. He'd been wanting to retire. But you were still here. I was still here. Okay. And he'd always said to me, the one thing that I promise you is that you will finish your education in the U.S. Okay. He's like, that's what, because he went to college in the U.S. So he's like, I will, I, that is my gift to you is you will get an education and it will be here. Um, and I also was in my, when he left, it was like the end of my junior year, probably. Yes. Or like right before my senior year started probably. And so he was just like, you're going to finish your senior year at the school and you're going to go to college in the U S because I've always told you that that's, that's what you're going to do for the rest. You know, that's it. That's what you deserve. Like, so but he moved, he went back and he brought two of my older brothers back with him. And, you know, he was like getting honored and he was getting yeah. these like medals and all these things, but ugh, it's a whole thing. But um, basically he was being seen as like, because he'd been in the US for so long. Actually, it's more intense than that because actually it's a story that's still developing that I'm learning about to this day, but at the time, he was being seen as, you know, someone who'd worked in the U.S. for so long that he had built all these relationships. So there was a concern that as... A, like a spy or some kind there of... There was a, a concern that he would retire and try to run for presidency. And be like an influence, like a puppet. Exactly. 
but that's not what he wanted to do. I yeah. mean, he was old. Like, he was very old when he returned. Like, he was just like, I just want to retire. Leave we, me alone. Leave me alone. I have landed in Cameroon. I want to do real estate. I want to feed my family. That's what the vibe was. But he'd already, like, been involved in some other things that, like, they hadn't kind of twisted it into, like, you know. Someone else was using it for Exactly. Game. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and the thing that really, have you heard of this whole, like, Boeing thing? The Boeing planes, like, falling? Yeah. The Max, the, the, yeah. So... The, what got him arrested it's it's called um in cameroon they call it the case of the albatross so what happened is the president was flying in a plane oh no and it was a boeing and it started to shake in the air okay uh went through a whole bunch of turbulence okay and eventually landed right but they they instead of oh my God, Boeing, this company messed up the plane. Mm -hmm. Instead of that, it was, well, who was in charge of negotiating for this plane? And my dad had a part of negotiating for the plane. Right. So they painted into, well, he tried to assassinate the president. Like covertly. Covertly, this, this... he was like cutting wires and doing weird shit in the plane. Super roundabout way of, of getting to the point, yeah. And so he was probably, yeah, like his intention was probably to get rid of the president. And so that became the story that was pushed. That's an unfortunate coincidence. Yeah. It's a very unfortunate coincidence that I'm getting clarity on 10 years later. Yeah. More than several so years. We're still dealing with that. We're there's, still dealing. There's, like, there's tons of, of Boeing with those planes. Exactly. Yeah. It, that, I, I, for the longest time, because I fly, fly so much, I had no problem flying. But this, um, that was the first time when I started getting a little nervous. Because mm -hmm. I yeah. was like, oh. Yeah. And even though they had been grounded, it still gives you a little bit of. Yeah, because this happened in, when was I in high school? 20, 2008, 2009? Yeah. But the plane thing was like 2004. Well, I mean, aside from them being shot down, planes are pretty solid at that size. Mm -hmm. The smaller planes have a little more, yeah. you know, danger to them. But um, I think we've gotten used to planes getting to where they're supposed to go. Right. And not just inexplicably Absolutely. going down. And the and, clarity that I'm getting now is that Boeing is being like sued and all, all, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, right. So that, yeah. that didn't, it wasn't there before. It wasn't a thing before. Yeah. So at the time it was just like, Oh, well this ambassador, he, um, you, he like, uh, they made it like a, they actually turned it into like an embezzlement case. Like, well, Oh, he was sent this much money. And instead of using the money for an adequate no plane, proof really, but right, yeah. Instead of using money for an adequate plane, he bought this really cheap plane that almost fell in the sky, yeah. and he was trying to kill the president with it, and it became this whole thing. Yeah. And so then when he retires and he goes back home, and, and I'm, people were telling him, like, don't go home. Like, don't yeah. do that. He was like, no, that's my country. I'm going it's home. It's my home. I'm going to go it's home. It's my home, yeah. and I didn't do anything, and I'm going to wait for justice to prevail. And until, even to the day he passed, like, he, I remember he was in jail, like, emailing us like case like dockets and just like i may not ever live to the day where i can tell my truth but i want my kids to have all this information to wow. be able to tell my story for me um so he died in prison he did of cancer mm. so and that's something that we all of us have to just like live with but it was like wait what when did you get cancer like that you know but it was yeah do you think it was just an excuse um or they just didn't check on him um or you just don't know? I just don't know. 
and so I have to say it's cancer, but there's so many, there's so many things mm -hmm. that indicate that it could be other things, Yeah, you know, but I have to be like responsible and be like, well, they said it was cancer because even on his deathbed, right? He was like, you cannot blame this country for anything because all the good things we had in life are because of our, of this country. So you cannot. Cameroon. Yeah. He's like everything that we had that was worthwhile in life is because this country gave it to us. Yeah. You lived in the U.S., you did this, you did that, you did that, but it was because Cameroon Your gave this to you. Your home was, was yeah. what sent you there. And so he never, he, would, he was so patriotic, right? Yeah. He never would, he was just like, this is just my fate, this is what it is. There might be bad people here, but this, this is home. This is our home. Absolutely. And so, you know, to me and my brothers, and that, you know, he was just like, I want you to like sing Cameroon's praises to the end of your days, which I do because that's what he's asked for us to do. Um, but that's also the reality of the story is that it's like, you know, there's some trauma behind that. So yeah. um, when I picked up music, I, I, I think for me, it was like, I want to pursue music because it's what I love. And it's what, that's what I was focusing on when I couldn't play sports anymore. Now go back to that too, because so you just, when you, you know, when, when did you pick up music? Well, it was always there. But I never pursued it seriously again, because culturally, like, that's a weird thing to do. Music. Yeah. It's like, it's not that, you know, they want you to book uh, your African parents, typically, right? You, you either go into pharmacy doctor. or doctor, lawyer, mm -hmm. politician, all that stuff, you know. Um, but I had brothers who... Respectable. Mm -hmm. Respectable. Exactly. But my oldest brother was a manager. And then second to oldest was a producer. Manager for like an artist. An artist. Okay. Yeah, hip-hop artist. And then the other one was a producer. And then... Um, the youngest of them all was, you know, he danced. He kind of did everything. Um, so it was always there. And when did you discover you liked to write? Oh, my God. I was in, like, fourth grade. So it was for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was for a while, but I just, I never uh, anticipated taking it actually seriously because when I, the one time I said it out loud, I came home the next day and MTV was cut off. BET was cut oh, off. No. They were like, no, 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 no. You're not doing this. Absolutely not. Your room so had only he, medical books in exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No magazines. No exactly. Nothing. Yeah. So, um, but then when I got sick, all I have is time to watch music videos. And so I was like a VH1 jams, you know, MTV jams, like junkie. Like, so yeah. I was watching music videos all the time. I was writing more, which I had already been writing in like fourth grade. But yeah. again, I didn't think it would go anywhere. Um, and I wasn't allowed to think you would go anywhere. What did and, you, what, at, the t at that time, I mean, you were still young, but what did you decide to write about? What was something, <laughs> did you, anything? Or did you just kind of, I um, have any of those songs made, made it to final not, form? None or? of those songs made it to final form, but I remember one of the first ones that I wrote. It was so silly. And it was like, I was listening to a lot of Britney Spears and I just, at the time, I imagined that Britney Spears would sing this song. It's really bad. I'm gonna still, it was like. Well, at least give, you have to tell us what it is now. It was like, um, sweet little girl riding in the Jag, guess who, that's me. And I was like 10, you know? I was like, when am I gonna be driving a Jaguar? Like, sweet little girl on the way to the club, guess who, that's me. It's more Destiny's Child than Britney Spears. It's so funny that you say that because I love Destiny's Child. Yeah. Like, I'm a huge, I am, I'm a bigger, uh, I'm a, I always say I love Destiny's Child Beyonce more than I love like regular, but yeah, I, I mean, writings on the wall is, 
in my apartment today, I, I have a like a poster of Destiny's Child writings yeah. on the wall. Like that's my one of my favorite albums. Great, they were they were great. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that makes sense. But um, and maybe it was I don't know. I think I was thinking like overprotected Britney Spears. Mm -hmm. Like not like um, oh, I forgot the name of her first album, but what was the album with Slave for You? Oh. What am I doing? We're gonna, we're gonna cut this part out. We're gonna, we're gonna, okay. we're gonna read. We, all we're gonna do is look up okay. what it is, and you're gonna say, "Oh, it's just like this." Right. How am I supposed to know what's right? You just gotta do it your way. I can't help no. It might have been self-titled. In the zone. No, the song is called "Overprotected," but what's the name of the album? No, 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 no. that wasn't that like afterwards. Blackout, glory, circus, uh, my prerogative. Oops, I did it again. Oh wait, I think it's on this. Let me. Can I see the covers? The yeah. covers will let me. Will tell me which wait, one wait, it wait, is. Wait, wait. Let me just say, Brady Spears album. I can't help the way I feel, cause my life has been so oh, overprotected. Yeah. This one. That Britney. One? It's called Britney. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oops, I did it again. Yeah, okay. It was Oops, I did it again. I don't want to wanna. Yeah. What I just want to wanna. Yeah. So I just pictured, I was like, ooh, that kind of sounds like what I want, what I want to wanna. Oops, I did it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that was like, I think I wrote that in like fourth grade. And then I went to. That was know. like the first album I remember of her. Mm. Too. So did you not remember the album with um, Sometimes? Well, I mean, sometimes I was... Sometimes I run, sometimes. No, I mean, I, I heard those songs and I heard them later, but I was uh, born I was born in 92. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I was eight. When okay, she okay, 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 okay. Yeah. So it took a couple more years for me to yeah. like, be So one of her. my best friend at school, hey, Sarah Gafar, her sister was a little older than us. So also okay. we, like, I think I got some of the older Britney that maybe I would have skipped if I didn't have someone older influencing me. Yeah. Um, but I was a big like Britney, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, mm -hmm. like that was my shit. Like that was can I curse? No oh. no, it's on YouTube. You okay. can't curse. <laughs> of course you can curse. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. No, that was like that was totally me. But yeah. um the fucking shit. No yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go over the top. Yes. So that was I think um what I loved, but I also my brothers were super were obviously, you know, into like hip-hop so yeah. and i'm the baby so i don't get to choose what we listen to in the car of so yeah so i would try to play britney spears and they'd be like uh-huh no and they would like play mace like bad boy yeah. you know like and a 19 year old guy is not gonna, yeah, yeah so they were listening to like you know scarface um you know again like anything bad boy you know so i was but what i would connect to was always the like the deep cut r&b track right mm -hmm. so i would listen to hypnotize because they had a girl singer on there so like you know biggie 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 can't mm -hmm. you so that i would just like put myself in that space um and but because also he was a manager i was i would go to their rehearsals and okay. i would learn uh, to the, his artist rehearsal so i would just like learn a lot about the industry at that that was like the best era it was the most amazing era. And also Diddy still has... Like 1996 to 2002. Exactly. And, and Diddy still has like some, one of the best ears of in music. Of every genre. It was like the best. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was getting so many of the, like the best worlds because I was getting the stuff that was marketed to me as like a, you know, 10-year-old going into whatever. And then I was getting the stuff that they were listening to. Like mm -hmm. my first concert ever was um, Rough Riders... 
uh, Cash Money Millionaires, uh, uh, and I was nine years old. I mean, and my parents, they don't, they don't know better. Like, they, right. didn't, they, they didn't know. Like, my brother was like, oh, if I want to If they go. knew, they would have had a heart attack. Exactly. But yeah. I mean, like, th- nah, like, three people died that night. Like, it wasn't, you know, like, they didn't, they didn't know. They didn't know. They, yeah. my brother just wanted to go to that concert, and I was like, I'm going as well, because I'm the little sister, and I do and what I'm, I want. I'm going to tell them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't let me exactly. come. Exactly. I'm well, going to tell them. I told them anyway. They told, like, he, they just didn't know what it was. Right. You know, so they're like, okay, if whatever. If you don't let me go, I'm going to tell them what it is. And they're not, you know, yeah. African parents, they're not about to go, re- like, research, <laughs> Google, like, okay, take your sister. Like, that was just what that was. Like, take your sister. And then we had an older cousin who was staying with us, and they were like, okay, y'all are going. Like, it is what it is. They didn't know that people were going to die at that show, get stabbed. Like, they had no idea. They didn't know when you came back either, right? They sure did not. They find it out now? Absolutely not. Okay. They have no idea. <laughs> so, I was in there, you Let's know. Hope mom doesn't listen to this. Huh? Let's hope mom doesn't listen She'll to this. She'll be fine. She'll be fine, child. But she was, um, <laughs> no, we were there, and it was like, you know, juvenile on stage, and I'm back that ass up and you know like having a good old time at eight nine years old like having a blast um but also that's where i fell in love with eve who was a member of the rough riders so that was like she was like the first like cool chick i seen like you know kind of you know rapping what that mean for you as as a young girl like just seeing a cool rapping girl i just felt like what did it mean for me I think I think for me personally, it was I saw myself in her because I had so many brothers. So I was seeing her like with all these guys. Exactly. With all these dudes getting respect, outperforming or performing on, you know, equal level as many fans doing her own thing. And she was just cool. Like for me, she was just so cool. And so I was like, that's me. And even now, like something like I have so many uh like guy friends and I, I i mean also probably because i have so many brothers but like it's just like i just i don't know i just it was just there was just like a vibe about her and her neck rolls and her well you know how she would just whatever and i yeah. just pitbull in a skirt that was the energy and that's i feel like to, to this day that's me like i would describe myself that way pitbull in a skirt like so um i think even when i even though i i didn't rap for a long time like I think I just started rapping like two years ago I was always singing but I would sing and people would think I'm a rapper because I was like more embodying Eve like I you know they'd just be like oh do you uh, do you rap do you rap and I'd be like no but I was always just that little that well, vibe it's like her, a her storyteller kind of vibe though storyteller especially with rap it was a little, little bit not that it isn't now but it, it was a lot more like I think it was the like storytelling the storytelling was it, but I think it with Eve specifically, I think it was the like um almost like nonchalance, right? It was like a uh like a it was a nonchalance and a cool factor and it was almost like a I belong here, not like I wanna be here. Mm-hmm. And uh it was like um she just had like a flair, like a style to her that I always appreciated that I just wanted to embody like it always felt like yeah like she belongs to be she deserves to be here it's not she's not being given a chance like it's just like this is her spot right and so I just 
I think I that's something that I always wanted. I think maybe also because I was the, the baby. So I was always, I didn't, I, I hated the idea of having to like fight to be seen. I'm like, no, I'm supposed to be here. And um, that energy, I think always like is something that exuded when I, when I did anything. So even when I would sing, yeah, like sometimes it would just sound like a rapper because I was just kind of like laid back, but it was like cool, but it was like, but it was also dudes would vibe with it mm-hmm. maybe sometimes it wasn't that girly it wasn't girl pop yeah, kind of thing it was yeah. very cool yeah exactly yeah. like even yeah and even you know when i was just singing my little that even fourth for, grade and that's thing. why i said it felt like more like destiny's, destiny's child, child. Than, than britney because when i think of britney i mean she has tons of songs mm-hmm. of course there's slower ones more deep ones but, but you know you think of the you know, hit me baby one more time, that kind of thing. Yeah. So when you hear that, it's, you know, there are ones that she has that are like much more deep. Yeah. But. And I think also like the inflections and stuff, it was just very like, okay. So I'm, I'm to this day still a huge fan of Eve, but, um, but yeah, so I have no idea where, where this came from, but I guess I was talking about uh, where I found music mm-hmm. during my cancer journey. So then. And you'd always loved music, but you kind of had to find something new to do. Yeah, and I you had, were talking about like, and I couldn't do sports anymore. You were inside. Was it your dad told you to get outside? Who told you to get outside? The nurse. The nurse who told was you like, to get you outside. need to go outside go because you might die. So yeah. you need to go outside. Enjoy something. Exactly, enjoy something. And so, um, you know, when I was at the hospital, he would take me outside. But when I was at home, I would sit in the house at my computer because that's another thing that my dad always I don't, like made sure of, right? Because he was not a, he was not great at computer things. But he recognized the importance of literacy, literacy of the computer. So he was like, you're going to have a computer and it's going to be in your room and you're going to know how to use it because that's the future. And even if I can't use it, you need to know what the hell. Yeah, how? So he got me a computer. That's smart though, because honestly, being him from where they were from and from that kind of conservative kind of, you know. Yeah. Sometimes that goes too far into like anything change. Mm -hmm. But for them to have the foresight or him to have the foresight of. You're going to need this. Yeah, you're going to need this. Spot on. I mean, and he tried to even do it at the embassy, but they couldn't know. Everyone couldn't. Everyone couldn't make the pivot. They couldn't pivot that way. But he's like, but I have a child. You know, I have children at home. So he was like, there was a, a computer in, you know, the family room, one of the family rooms. Yeah. And you're going to have a computer in your room. Like, like everyone you, had that room, that computer room. Yeah, private. everyone had that. Yeah. But you had one in your room. Which yeah, was, that was a thing. He was like, you're going to have a computer. Like, it doesn't, you are going to have a computer. Yeah. And, um, and I would sit at it and write songs, you know, and I downloaded Audacity and I would just like, I had a sit little, there and just... yeah, I had a little headset and I would record fake songs on it. And yeah. And I would also learn song lyrics and, you know, uh, uh, I would have, I would have concerts in my room. So self-taught. Yeah. Self-taught. Totally. So essentially you were with this and this was during your treatment or was, was after? A little bit before, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> It was a little bit before. It was during and after. But during... It ramped up a bit. It ramped up a bit because I wasn't doing anything else. Yeah. So all I was doing was sitting there downloading songs on LimeWire. So b- before it might have been more of just something you enjoyed. But Yeah, before it was like, casual. I'm downloading these songs and I can listen to them in the morning before right. going to school and cool, cute, whatever. I'm just copying my brothers. And also my brother was a manager, right? So one of the things, how I would impress my brother was finding songs he didn't know. 
Oh, that's a good one. So I was playing. Good ones. Yeah. So I, was, I would play A&R for my brother when I was really young because that was, that was the thing. I just, I needed to impress him because he's so much older than me and he's managing and I need to come to him with like heat. Yeah. So I was like downloading songs that he didn't know. If you could impress him. Then. Exactly. And I also needed to know them before I played them for him because part of like, part of somebody putting somebody onto a song is also like vibing with the song. Mm-hmm. So like I'll pick a song and I was like, I need to be able to sing along and have a good time and I need to make it feel like a vibe so he gets that it's a vibe. Yeah, otherwise it might fall flat a little bit. Exactly. Even if it's great. Exactly. So um, yeah, I had to like do all those things. So I was doing all those things with my computer. It's a bit like showing someone a funny video and then they're not really. Yeah, it's like I have to laugh at it because if I'm if not. You don't, if you don't kind of get into it, then they're just kind of like, yeah. Oh, cute. Haha, it's funny. Yeah, but it's like right. I have to, I have to, vibe is contagious. Yeah. I have to like pass it on. Um, so yeah, so, um, that's like the, the, like journey to like music. And then, you know, I, I go through the high school thing and it's like, that's kind of boring because I'm like, you guys want me to focus on chemistry and essays and all these things. And I just like, you know, survived cancer and my dad is going to jail Mm -hmm. and I just don't care about any of this. So I finally go to college. I went to UNC Chapel Hill. Um, I originally wanted to come to USC or UCLA, but it was too far after my dad had been arrested. I needed to be close to my mom. Yeah. So I went to UNC Chapel Hill and, um, I went through those years. I think the first two years I was in like a silly relationship that I shouldn't have been in. And then after that, I was like, well, damn, like I haven't done anything in two years. So I need to like, you know, feet to the pavement. Like I need to go. So that's when I started. You were already kind of cleared. Cancer wise, yeah. yeah, I was cleared. I mean, they tell you to keep getting check it, checkups, um, but I wasn't <laughs> because I was also now undocumented because my dad had left. And you're in this like gray area. I'm in a gray area because I was I only had a visa based on his work. Work. He was no longer working, but had gotten into school already. So I'm in school, but I'm undocumented. Right. So it was a blessing because I really probably couldn't have gotten into school otherwise. I have no ID. So I get into school. So I'm undocumented at UNC, but I can go through my classes. I can do all this stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm in this relationship, stupid relationship for like two years. Very much a Tyler Perry movie. <laughs> and then after that, I'm like, okay, well, I wasted so much time in this relationship. I need to like do things. Like everyone had been, you know, had had internships and had done all this stuff. And you pursued. felt like you had to catch up. I had to catch up. So I'm like signing up for this, like, um, that's you a know. good feeling though. When you start going, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta I, yeah, it because, makes you do something. And you know, what also happened is that my dad had been in jail, but he hadn't been sentenced and my junior right before in the middle of my junior year, he got sentenced. So then it became really real to me because yeah. I was like, Oh shit, this isn't a joke. He's in prison. Right. I need to take care of myself. Like I, if I leave here, like when I leave school, like no one's going to take care of me. Was there ever any concern if you went home, if you had gone back, there'd yeah. be a problem for you? Absolutely. So I never, I didn't go back. So like when he, when and he, and your mom and your rest of your family, all of us, all of us. And two of my brothers were already there and they were going through the worst of it. It was really a, a movie. Like they would go, they were being followed. Yeah. Like house was being ransacked. It was a thing. It was a mess. And, um, so trying we, to find something, trying to find something. So we couldn't or battle I, you. Absolutely. You know, so we, they couldn't really tell us everything over the phone because the phones were tapped. Like yeah. it was a whole thing. So, um, 
yeah, it was a huge concern. But at the same time, it was undocumented, so I couldn't even go home. So I couldn't go home, but I couldn't get the full scope of what the hell was going on. And you go home and they get stuck. Exactly. Exactly. So for years, I couldn't go. So even when my dad passed, I didn't get to go to his funeral because I was undocumented and I might get stuck. How did you feel about that? Terribly. I still am grieving. I'm still like, I still haven't recovered from that because I didn't see him for six years and then he passed and I still couldn't go to his funeral. Yeah. So it was bad. And most of my dating experiences are in some way colored by that relationship because a lot of people have daddy issues because like the dad was just bad or wasn't Didn't there, wasn't, wasn't affection. Right. I had an amazing father who was present even though, even when he was in prison, he would, I just wanted to hear your voice, find a way to call me. Like I had, I had all of that, but he was taken from me. So it still felt like abandonment. Yeah. So I still have those like looking for my dad and people and you know, I just went through that whole thing. But um so I, you know, two years of waste of just like just not doing anything really. Um And why do you think that was? What were you do you just were you just getting caught up in being in school or were you just not No, I was getting listless, you didn't I was have getting, any kind of drive for anything i didn't have any drive and i didn't take the situation seriously again i was like he's coming home a little denial a little denial i was like there's no hope i mean it wasn't necessarily i think it was both right because i was just like well he didn't do anything so he's coming home right now that they're gonna make up yeah i'm not thinking they're gonna make it take it further i'm like oh they're gonna this is gonna this is a mistake so it's gonna get cleared up right so they're just gonna scare him or something and then yeah let him go let him go but then it dragged on. Then it dragged on. Then there's some more things started happening. Then it's, oh, they tried to get him to point the finger at people, but he wouldn't do it because he was like, well, those people have kids. I'm not going to. And I also don't know that they did anything. I'm yeah. not pointing the finger at someone with children who I don't know that they did anything. They wanted something out of him that could help themselves. Exactly. And he was not that kind of person. He's like, I'm not. I'll sit in here. Yeah. No. Very much. Yeah. Like, very much so. He's like, I will sit in here before I take another parent away from their children. So all of that was happening. So I, you know, after And you just kind of kept thinking, okay. Well, he's going to come home. He's going to come home. Like that's, he's coming home. It's, this is whole, this whole thing is silly. I know my dad, I know what was done and what wasn't done because even the accusation of like, you know, whatever the whole embezzlement thing, I'm like, I'm a daddy's girl. So if there's money gone, I will be riding in a Range Rover like that. Right. That like I, that's gonna be happening, not me over here counting pennies and trying to figure out how right. I'm gonna do things. It's like no, that's not. He wouldn't have me living like that if he had if he had money. He'd been you know absolutely siphoning not. money from absolutely yeah. not like absolutely not. I, I and that's one thing I do know because there were times where I did ask for things that I got and I was like oh this is unreasonable and I got it. Yeah, <laughs> but he wasn't like like counting money and be, no, sorry, sweetie, we don't yeah, have it. Yeah, you know, no, you, absolutely you not. Just you, you lived with what you had. Exactly the salary he probably got. And exactly. That was it. I mean, I was at school sometimes. Like, oh my god, I hope they don't realize that we haven't paid tuition <laughs> because we haven't. Right. <laughs> like, and I would just fall through the cracks of the system, and they didn't realize I was on campus, and I was just lucky. And then sometimes, like you know, it would come up in class when they're doing roll call and be like, hey, have you? 
and I would just have to finesse my way through it. Mm-hmm. But you know, it hasn't been paid, and it is what it is. Oh, like, that's weird. I think we just sent yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, I was very much investing in a. Oh, my father was was since a while. Like, Suddenly, you had a real thick <laughs> exactly. French accent. <laughs> exactly. Suddenly, you. I, I, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Since a while. So, um, but yeah. So, um, but once I realized, like, oh no, they're because they tried to sentence him to life. And for the first time, he probably, he was like, wait, what? This is ridiculous because yeah. you know, I didn't do anything. So they changed it and they're like, fine, 10 years, but still, That's right? still like basically that, life. Exactly. Because he was in his seventies. Yeah. If you're already in your seventies or. Yeah. Or he was like 60s. late sixties. Yeah. So I was like. You're taking away a big chunk of what I have left. Yeah. And in that moment I was like, oh yeah, I'm not going to have a dad to take care of me when I leave school. So I'm, I'm going to need to do it. Yeah. So that's when I started going crazy, applying for internships and jobs and all this, all this stuff. And that's when I started really to like developing my, like my passions, like, well, okay, well, what do I like to do? What do I want to do? I want to make sure I'm working with creatives. I want to make sure I'm working with artists. So I started managing and then I started writing for the entertainment section at the school newspaper, just doing all the things that you have to do in, you know, intern- learn those skills. Exactly. And- interning with Spotify and like just doing everything. Um, because I was like, oh, when I get out of school, I need to be able to get a job because I haven't done anything. So I was working overtime my junior and senior year to get something on my resume. And then I got a job, um, at like a mixed use community, like promoting concerts and their summer events. And, but it was like a salary job. Obviously it didn't pay really anything, but it was a salary job in North Carolina. So I had wanted to stay there because I didn't want to go back to DC and live with my sister and I, I wanted to be independent. And I was also managing a hip hop duo in North Carolina. Right. So I was like, well, in order to do this, I need to be here. So I got a job and I did that for a couple years. And then I was a woman managing a male hip hop duo. And so sometimes they wouldn't listen. <laughs> so that was its own thing. It's own challenge. Yeah, its own challenge. And I was like, well. Did you ever have, because I mean, you had, it was, you had other family members that had done management and stuff. Did you ever have kind of advice and stuff or? Did you kind of just do this yourself? Um, I think I did it myself. I mean, I, I had advice, but it was never about managing. It was just, he was just, my brother was always giving Overall. me advice about just, I mean, he had to kind of take it up the like fatherly fake right. role. So yeah, I was getting advice, but it was always about like business more than like in general. Yeah. More, more. Yeah. Um, because he was also learning now because he had just moved to Cameroon to take care of the estate because my dad couldn't do it anymore because my dad was in prison. So I'm honestly surprised they didn't like seize it or anything. Oh, me too. I, and I said that to my dad, I was like, well, if they think you stole this money, then why didn't they seize it? Cause they, there was other people, cause there are other people who had stolen money and they did seize their assets. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, if they think you stole it, then why haven't they seized anything? Cause that requires actual proof. Right. Exactly. And my dad, I remember my dad saying, please don't say that. He's like, please don't say that. You're make it worse for me. Don't yeah, think. he was like, please <laughs> don't. don't say that because Shh. they're going to realize they <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. But he's like, this is the evidence that you needed to know, you know, your dad is innocent, but don't say that because they're going to realize they fucked up and they're going to find a way to try to seize it. Right. So don't say that. So I just left it alone. Um, Oof. Yeah, but I mean, because other people that, you know, were in this, like, you know, dealing with the government in that capacity, they were getting their assets frozen because they were stealing right. from the government. They were corrupt, you yeah. know? Um, but you know, thank God to this day, that's not a thing, but, um, so yeah, so, um, I just, I kept managing and 
they were doing good. They opened for Juicy J, you know, wow. they opened for Big Crit. It was like a thing. Like I was like, okay, like it's rolling a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's rolling, it's, it's rolling, it's rolling. But we were struggling on the communication front because I think I, I, I'm a woman and sometimes it's hard to take advice from, from women. And I don't think that maybe I always showcased how knowledgeable I might have been about hip hop and branding and marketing and all that stuff. Right. Um, I mean, or no, I did, but I think it was hard to receive for people who maybe didn't fully understand it themselves. So I had to like, okay, well, you're not going to hear it from me. So now I have to become an artist and show you that I can do this. So I did. So I started dropping music. I started working with one of my friends. He was producing for me. I dropped a, uh, like a song, like a video, and then I just pursued music. And then in two years, I opened for Miguel and Division at um, the like city's like biggest like music festival. And so they were like, oh, I was like, yeah, I was trying to get you to this point, but you wouldn't listen to me. Right. The artists so, just did. They felt they knew better. I don't know if they felt that they knew better. I think that they just resistant didn't yeah i don't think they just i don't think they understood how much i knew and so i had to show them you were younger too you i mean you're still young but you were you were young exactly so i had to show them so i did i was like well i mean a little bit of like a see (laughs) i was like see like i told you like and this is what i've done i did this in a year a year and a half i'm performing with uh, alongside people who've been pursuing music for 10, 15 years just because I understand branding and marketing and that's it, (laughs) you know? So, um, but for me, once I did that, I was like, oh, well now my goals are in reach. I know what I need to do, but I'm not happy because I was pursuing music. I was writing good songs that people liked and all this stuff. But it was like, I opened for Miguel and I was like, I'm not happy to be here. And why was that? Do you think? Because it cost a lot. Like I was, I was shooting videos and doing all this stuff, but I was sleeping in my car. Mm-hmm. That's like a moment where I was sleeping in my car. And then even when I did get a place to live, I'm like, well, my money's going to my rent and I'm going in the hole, putting on this amazing show to open for Miguel. And, and I think people also don't understand where the music, the money comes from in music. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, and it's not coming from the things that I'm doing. So I'm sacrificing so much to look like I'm to that lose. girl. Yeah, to lose. To look like I'm that girl, to open for Miguel, to open for Division, to do this, to do that. I'm sacrificing so much. But the return is... Almost negative. Almost negative. If not negative. If not, it was negative. And oftentimes that's, I mean, that's, that's true of, of it's true of what, what we do too. Mm-hmm. It's true of what I do. Yeah. It took, it took years. Years. To even turn a profit. And even then sometimes it's still, you're still losing money on things. And I was in North Carolina. And explain losing. that to someone. And I was in North Carolina doing that. Yeah. And so I was like, well, this isn't feeling good to me. Yeah. I'm going to keep writing songs because I love to write songs and I've been doing it since I was in fourth grade, but there has, there has to be something else to this. Right. And I remember talking to my brother and he was like, everyone who makes it in the music industry, there's, there's a part of the story that you don't hear. Somebody is bankrolling that. Mm-hmm. He was like, some of the rappers that you look at, that you're looking towards, some of them, some of them are in the streets and are, you know, selling drugs or whatever they're doing to get the money to pay for studio time, to pay. Some of them have investors. Some of them, you know what I mean? Like, like a lot of people just have somebody bankrolling it. 
-hmm. when you're looking at an artist sometimes they're signed and they're telling they're not telling you even having the person to bankroll it i know from experience for people that i know that it still doesn't mean it just exactly you could have someone paying for everything and still exactly goes nowhere exactly so he was just like you could have you could have a, a the best voice in the country the coolest look the best everything and still not make it for whatever reason for whatever could be, reason. Could be the, the songwriting because you know from experience it might not certain songs don't always fit that's one thing i love um it's kind of an aside but there's i've, I've seen um articles where they say like well this song that you know from beyonce was actually meant from for so this person so, yeah. or someone random you're like what uh, yeah yeah and you're going like because of those songwriters oftentimes you know, some artists write their own music or have a hand in it, but a lot of times it's written for them and then they kind of make it their own. They make it their own. And one of the, the things that I always thought was really interesting was going like, oh, I don't know if I would like that song if I so love, so did I love it. this song. I don't know if I would like the song if this person did it. I love this person, but I don't know if that would make sense. Like Taylor Swift sang this or Rihanna sang it. It's two completely different two songs. Two completely different And songs. I might love the one Rihanna did, but I don't love the one that, that Taylor would have done or vice versa. Exactly. I mean, oh, for so long people were like, oh, Rihanna can't sing Rihanna. And I was like, yeah, but nobody's going to put swag on a record like Rihanna, Rihanna, right. Rihanna did. Like nobody's going to do that. doesn't matter who it is. Oh, but um, I don't like Beyonce. Yeah, but nobody's going to arrange vocals the way Beyonce arranges vocals. She might right. have 40 tracks and harmonies that you would never imagine having. Yeah. And I'm I like I over time like I I start to re- realize those things, like oh I've heard a lot of amazing singers, but your voice doesn't translate in the studio. And I've heard people, you know, that that like get the song and they get the song and 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 they sing it. They do a they do like a, a, a demo of it, and then someone bigger swoops in and takes it and takes it. And that that happens to celebrities too. All the time. So that happens to, to like celebrities who are big artists that get spooped on by a bigger artist, and they mm. come in and just Doink. that's going. Period. I mean, Thank yeah, you. no, that happens. And oftentimes, it's because that person heard the demo of the person doing it. Yeah, you, know, you could have a person, and I'm and use fake celebrities like as if it was like some not this situation, but let's say it was, you know, um, Sierra mm-hmm. was singing a song, and you had a like a Beyonce come in and swoop in and take that song didn't happen but like Mm -hmm. that's two levels Mm -hmm. you know one person who's here and one person who's still here and they're Mm -hmm. both way up here yeah but this person heard that i mean i like that how many times have we heard that whether it's i mean amory had to leak her single so j-lo didn't get it because j-lo was a bigger artist Mm -hmm. and if she wants it she's probably gonna get it probably (laughs) exactly so she had to leak it Mm -hmm. like it's one of those things so i mean and those are things that i was that's knowledge that i was getting from my brother super early on and it happens every step Every step of the way. Until you are the top. Until you top, are the top. top, top person. Happens over and over. Which that's probably not going to happen. You know, realistically in the numbers. Yeah. Beyonce's up here and there's you're here yeah. and you're trying to work your way up. and Absolutely. And it's so a that's, fight every bit, every and, second. And that's one of the things that I, I, I'm grateful that I had my book because I think I would have been discouraged a long time ago if I didn't understand that. I think people don't understand that in every industry for the most part, especially in the entertainment world because everyone wants to be in the entertainment world. Everyone wants to be creative. Everyone wants to put creative director in their bio and that's cool and that's great. But to have longevity and to actually establish yourself yeah it's one thing to change your bio and say that i'm a songwriter it's another thing to be a songwriter and work for years and get songs you know in, placed in over your, your, and over and, and over 
it's like you're scraping for every inch. Absolutely. It's the same way in photography. It's the same way in, it has, yeah. I know directors are the same way. It's You have to like claw at every single inch that yeah. you get. And people, I think when they, they say, oh, I'd love to become a director. It's like, yeah, well, there's a reason why there's not that many of them. And there's a reason why there's some at the top that you see and then they're doing everything and then you see people having to try and claw their way in. I mean, and it's, it's why I moved to LA because I was like, you know and what? And are you prepared to sleep in your car? Because that's not fun. And it's not cool either. So some people like might do it before a story. It's not cool. Like it's not cool. Be, you don't have to be the struggling artist. Yeah. You don't have to be. But it, I mean, sometimes you just get caught up in the fantasy, the storyline, the whatever, you know, it's just like, no, like, no, that was just something that I realistically had to go through because I couldn't work. I was undocumented at the time. Because right. I've been wanting to move to LA for years, for at least four years, but I was undocumented. I couldn't come. Yeah. There was I wasn't I didn't have ID I didn't have Risk. anything that I needed to be here. Yeah, and then I finally got documented. But then I I was I was in I was I got my green card while I was sleeping in my car. So then I had to go work and you know perform whatever do all the things I needed to do to get my life together enough so that I could move to Los Angeles. So now I'm in Los Angeles finally. Four years after wanting to be here. Four years after people looking at me and being like, oh, you're over the city. I'm like, yeah, I am. Because I, I mean, yeah, I get it. You can do anything with the internet, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if I know that I want to write songs for people, LA is very much pull-up culture. Pull-up. You got to be I wasn't, Exactly. I was Nayana Lee's music Especially video. Especially that, that specific songwriting kind of job. Absolutely. You have to be in the room. You have to be in the room. And so that's like even... If you're not in the room, you don't get credit anyway. Period. You might get not get credit and be in the room, so yeah. you might you need to be yeah. in the room. Like you can't you can't email someone your song. You have no your mind. You don't know. Like you do, you don't know what's gonna happen with that. No. Like I've had, we've had enough mood boards be stolen, but that's one thing. Exactly. But like when you actually do the work mm -hmm. and someone takes it mm -hmm. and there's no way really of tracing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then it's just like well, and you're, you're going back to sleep in your car. And even if there is a way to trace it, right, and it's email, but they have a label backing them. That label has right. is gonna bankroll a lawsuit. What are you like? What are you gonna do? Yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, because all they have to do is pay for uh, put a lawyer on retainer for four months of the lawsuit, and you're gonna be you don't have anything. I mean, that's why even with like when we work with Hicko and different labels, like I I, I trust them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I trust them enough to pay me. I trust yeah. them enough to that they're not gonna screw me over, but. The reality you is that it could happen. You have to be careful yeah. with who you work with. So when you're, you know, making a song for someone, you're doing a song, you're agreeing to get paid to X and Y and Z, you're basically on trust that they're going to pay you. And if they have a label behind them, it's possible that they can just, no, I, we did this. We, yeah. You didn't do it. You have to have show proof. You have to show where you were. You have to show, there's all kinds of things. And the it's years crazy. it takes for it to even come to light for a lawsuit, you still might not even win. Right. That too. <laughs> yeah. For a lawsuit, you still might not even win. So... I mean, I had to learn, like, really, I, 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 all of that was just like, all right, I need to come to L.A., and now I've been in L.A. for, what, nine months, and I'm still just, like, building upwards. But for me, yeah. it was just like, okay, what am I, I know I want to do songwriting because I don't, I don't have the energy to create content at the rate you need to create content to even be an that, artist. Even that phrase drives me bonkers. I'm sure it drives you crazy. Creating content. Create content, create more content, create more content, more content. It's like, stop it. And it's like to be an artist. And it's in your what... head now. I say it all the time. Well, we have to create this content. I'm like, fuck you. Like, Absolutely. it's so 
just it's demeaning when it's you're so creative. demeaning yeah because it's just like you want me to create like a factory i'm not a, i'm, I'm not, not an try, idea i'm not demeaning not people machine. who create content because i know there's tiktokers and these people Absolutely. who create content i can't do that i'm not gonna, i'm not personable like that and i'm not gonna do that but when you're you know it's like you know it's like would be like talking to like leonardo da vinci painting something and being like oh i love the content he creates it's ridiculous. No, it's, it's and not necessarily. We're on that level. I, that's that's a very extreme. Like you yeah, know, no, but, but it's it's similar. It's 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 in that lane. It's, that's know, what it is. I wouldn't uh, say. Oh, I, I love my Angelou's content. I love what she puts out. I mean, it's so, it sounds so even. <laughs> it makes it, it sound silly. so ridiculous. Yeah. And you're in people say it all the time in meetings and in things, and it, it almost subconsciously makes it just brings you down a little bit right here absolutely and it's it's just that that is drilled into people's brains now because also what you're what you're requesting when you're requesting content you're a concept right i'm not a concept machine right like i need to be inspired and it's like i mean if i'm not inspired i'm not giving you something that's worthwhile yeah but you know people's attention spans and the rate at which you're expected to create at this point it's just like i'm i I'm sure there are humans now who are built to to operate that way. Yeah, but they're it, on TikTok. Exactly. But in order for me to be authentic, which is what I believe is, mm-hmm. you know, successful, is being it's authentic. It's a little deeper than yeah, that. Yeah, I just it's need not, more time. And there's nothing wrong, again, like, I don't like, like, because I, I, I can't do that. I couldn't do what they do all day long. I just think it's not, there's nothing you look at them and go, oh my gosh, this is going to stand for the test of time. This is going to be around forever. You're going to be listening to this for 20 years. That TikTok's done. It's over. It's gone. It's gone. People might laugh at it again if they see it, you know. And when you've existed in a time period where people's work like lives on for even at least a year, two Mm -hmm. years. But you're still listening to songs from 30, 40 years ago. To this day. Or longer. Absolutely. But the the things that come out today don't don't live for as long. Right. And so some do, some do, but but it is rare and rare. Exactly. And I think that's fair because probably how much music was created in the 90s that we don't listen to anymore. You know, and, and different genres of different music had their, 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 their people at the top of their genres. And you probably listen to some of them, but realistically, it's, it's the people that fizzle at the top. You know, you, you're going to hear them forever. Exactly. You know, but that doesn't mean that every single thing you create is going to be viral either. And that doesn't mean it's bad. I mean, even the idea of chasing if it vir- doesn't get, virality. If it doesn't get out there and... and, and get you know 40 million views or whatever that doesn't mean it's bad i mean and for me like i i of course there's the part of me that like i would love for something that i do to just, oh my god has all these views right but i think about the reality of that mm-hmm. and what that means it's like it, it had a moment mm-hmm. but the moment a week yeah a week for something i worked on for months mm-hmm. or for like i oh, can't i can one-up you there things that we take that take you know weeks to plan photo shoots to plan they get you know six comments oh and pe- exactly <laughs> it's over and people, it's gone and so for so long like people would get upset with me right for like not posting like pictures i'm like it's because i care about your picture i don't want to put this on my instagram mm-hmm. for what it's gonna mm-hmm. no one is gonna for think something, about this at least then it's then it's it's for 40 comments right you deserve more than that you deserve more than 40 comments so that's like that's been a whole thing where I'm like, okay, well, in my you know pursuit of artistry and songwriting, yeah, I would love to just get to a space where like 
I can do like an exhibit or mm-hmm. something that's going to just live a little bit longer because like, I mean, I, I have, so, I have friends that are creatives in so many different lanes. Like I have friends who are photographers, videographers, etc. And I'm just like, and I think about the time that goes into doing something like that. And I'm like, you deserve so much more. I don't even want to insult you by posting this on my Instagram. Right. And it being people seeing it and having 20 seconds with it mm-hmm. and moving on. Like, I just can't. It's like a meat grinder. It became, it, it's, it, the social media thing has really become a situation where you have, um, you can have shitty content that, that comes out there and it's just bullshit and it gets all the attention and then you can have something that really took time and effort. It just doesn't connect. It doesn't mean it's bad. It just it means it doesn't connect with the, just, with, the, with the people. And then you just also don't know how your algorithm is operating. Just, the just, people who would like it aren't seeing it, vice versa. You know, it's, it's I, you know, I'm limited by my dumbass friends. You know, I, you know, how am I going to get it to people who would appreciate it? It's, there's just, there's so, you know, so many things. So it's just it's, like. It's a challenge and it's something where that transcends any creative industry though. Because it absolutely. really just, it, and it. It, that's one of the number one things. I don't know what you think, but I personally think that's one of the number one reasons people quit. It is, and that's why that's one of the reasons why I have pursued songwriting above artists, uh, being the artist or the mm-hmm. face or the whatever, because I'm just like, you know what? And you can move around. I can move around. I can write in this room and this room and this room and this room and this room, and I can put one sentence here and two two sentences here and four bars over there and this, that, and... and It'll live in a different way. And the amount of effort that I put in is still uh, effort that I'm proud of mm-hmm. that can exist in as part of a body of, of work for a limited amount of time rather than I put my heart and sweat and soul into this song and it had one minute or two minutes or three minutes. Somebody heard it a time. 500 views, 1,000 views, There's like nothing whatever. Worse. There's nothing worse than spending days on something, weeks on something, and then get 17 views. Nothing. I mean, it just doesn't, like, and I would love to be the person who's And none of those people liked it. It's like one of those things where exactly. it's like, I wanna throw be me the, a fucking bone here. I want to be the noble person who's just like, well. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. You do. And if, exactly. Like, Everyone it, cares. It, 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 if, if, if I had nothing else in this world, I would still be songwriting. If I was, I would sing in a fucking hole in the wall. It's just like, I know I wouldn't, I wouldn't. And I still love it. That doesn't mean I love it less. Yeah. You know, but I just like, I gotta pay rent. I have to pay rent, but I also want a return on what I'm putting out into the world. Yeah. Even if it's just acknowledgement. I always liked uh, Sia for that. Cause she was like the songwriter first. She wrote yeah. for Rihanna, she wrote for all kinds of people never knew she was the songwriter yeah and then she came out with her own stuff eventually and did her thing and, and I, still doesn't like the that's why she always has her hair covering her face yeah. and that kind of thing because she she doesn't want the it to become about that and i think for me even right I, I i over time i'm like i'm glad i'm pursuing songwriting heavily now because i want to have kids i want to have a family and i want to be able to go to the store with them i want to go to whole foods i want to there's still things i want to be able to do that I don't know that if I had this insane level of stardom that I would I would be able to accomplish. Right. And then also when you reach that level of stardom, there's just starts to be, you know, things that are unrealistic or like I mean, just like your your just any regular like misstep becomes mm-hmm. like monumental. Right, right. And I don't know that I want to exist in that kind of a space where I'm not allowed to be human. 
Yeah, that's fair. So I'm just like, okay, I would prefer to be human and have success and be respected by my peers. Like my, my Twitter, um, my handle is still first name Bala, but the, you know, how you can do like a little, like a username kind of, or yeah. a thing that's yeah. like, yeah, like a, like a, a name above your handle. She got that pen. I would like to walk into every room and people be, oh, she has that pen. Oh, she can write. She can write her ass off. I'm happy with that. That's going to make me feel successful. The moment that I can walk into rooms with my peers in this industry and have them be like, oh, we know about her pen. We know what she can do with that pen. That's what I need. The other stuff is like, yeah, because I got a, I got a little dose of it from when, you know, my dad was ambassador. It's not the, the most like glamorous thing where, you know, but when it started to fall down, I was getting that, you know, I was in chat rooms on, you know, websites having to defend my dad in the comments. And, you know, I was having to do all that. And I was like, wow, I'm sitting here defending people from people who have no idea what is actually happening. They're just talking. They're just talking. They don't know. Yeah. They know from their perspective. They know. So I'm having to sit here and try to spit the facts, but they don't, they don't know. And it actually doesn't even matter to them what is what truly happened. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the key, too. That's the key to, to not caring yeah. is that they, they don't. It's, it's not about reasoning with them. If it was about reasoning with them, your constant conversation and sitting there and trying to wouldn't matter. But it doesn't. They don't care. They're just, whether it's trolling or whether they're just, you know, whatever, they don't care. And in the same breath, I cannot vilify them. Because I've been the person to hear something that happens to a celebrity and have comments, knowing that I don't know what happened, knowing that I wasn't there, knowing that, you know, but I'm bored. I'm bored, so let me have an opinion on something that I know nothing about. Like, I have to catch myself sometimes, like, wow, I really don't know this person. And I'm going so hard, but I don't know this person. And I'm just like, "Um, do I want to be in that position? Not really. Not really. And, you know, now because I'm older and wiser, I'm better at it. Like, I, you know, there are celebrities whose lives I won't have commentary on because I'm just like, oh, mm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I have know. No idea. It's possible. It's I get possible. It. There, there's, there's, there are so many variables here that mm. I'm just not privy to. So this opinion is nothing more than just like jest, like, you mm. know, and, and, uh, is that something that I want to go through that I'm prepared to go? I have anxiety. I can't go through that. That's another reason why I'm just like, mm, maybe I probably would have pushed harder if I didn't have anxiety because I would have been more prepared to deal with all this bullshit from the world. And I don't, I don't, I don't know that I'm there, that I could have millions of people commenting on my life and my decisions, knowing that people have different opinions about everything mm-hmm. and that I would inevitably probably not like those opinions too. Yeah. You know, and I would love to be the person that's like, I don't care. But if I'm honest, I do. I'm very sensitive. I do care. That's why so you that's, don't read the comments. Exactly. And that's why I'm not, I, I, that's probably why I have all of the opportunities that have been in my face. I have not, maybe I didn't pursue as hard as I should have because I was afraid of where it would take me. Yeah. Because that's what I felt like when I opened for Miguel. I was like, oh, I see this path. I see what I need to do. Like it's, it's, this is like within my reach. If I do this, 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 and this, I can get there. But do I want to deal with all the things that come when I'm there? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think those things are for me. And 
I think that that's, that's what I've had to think about the most. And that's not to say that I would never welcome like artistry or superstardom because if that's meant for me, like I'm, you know, I'll walk into it. But I know that at the time where I thought I wanted it, I wasn't ready for it. And especially now that, you know, there's, you know, all this conversation around mental health and I'm just like, wow, like I have so much more compassion for celebrities because I recognize that like, even for the people who have no mental health diagnoses, like it's still a thing. Yeah. It's still a thing that can affect you. It's still a thing that can, uh, destabilize you. I don't want to create that for any human being. And I don't want to open myself up to that if I'm not prepared for it. And I want to be honest. And I don't, oh, like, I would love to just be like, I'm it. I'm here. I'm a superstar. It's me. It's time. And I think that's what people want. <laughs> a lot of people want that. They want to just arrive. But it comes with so much. Mm-hmm. They don't want it with that, though. And all of the celebrities who get there all tell us the same thing. We'll make you happy. You know, and you're Are all you like, sure you want this? Mm-hmm. Because it comes with this and this and this. And you're just like, yeah. I'm like, no, but I, like, I guess that's the difference with me. I'm listening. Like, I really pay attention with Cardi, to Cardi when she's just like, I think I was happier when I wasn't famous. I think I was, yeah. like, to all these people, I was like, I think I was, so I'm like, I want respect in my field. Because I do, I do want to showcase my talents. I do want to hear my songs sung back to me yeah. from, you know, an audience of millions or thousands or whatever, you know, but... That's Dude, what your passion is. That's, that's what, what you want. Yeah. And you want to be the best at what you can do. I want the feedback. But you, you can get you can get the the respect from your peers. You can get the money from being successful. But you just don't need the the, the, the famous part. Yeah. It's okay to, to it's like it's like it's like a in my ideal world I would be successful from something that I that nobody knows I'm a part of. Yeah. You know, do the art, do the things that I like, but you know, not I would never want to be uh, like famous famous person because it's it's like they're in your world they're like in your space i'll take the fame i feel like i want respect from my peers while i'm here first absolutely first and foremost because i want people who are like me who studied songwriting to be like oh she's that girl she got that pen right give me the fame i'll take the i'll take I, I want the flowers now i want the fame when i'm gone because when it can't when the negative yeah, side right. can't af- affect me See, so it's funny you say that too because even you know growing up with your father being an ambassador i mean he's in a political world that's even worse yeah because oh yeah because people politics is even worse because celebrity. also people don't understand politics but they think that they do well everyone's an expert everyone's an expert on every side everyone's an expert of everything and and when you you are in the public sphere and you're in any capacity in any kind of political whether it's mayor of a tiny little town or whether you're president yeah or an ambassador it doesn't matter and but th- everybody has an opinion and half of them are, are hate you i think that be- yeah <laughs> and it's not even like it's never even like um you know like reasonable it's they half of them hate you i think nobody understands that you, you are i not only they don't understand i think sometimes people refuse to understand that you can go into a space with aspirations of being away and then yeah. you get to the space and you see how it's set up and the only way to succeed in that space is not being the way not being how you thought you could be yeah it's like it's what do you the mean concept of playing playing the game you know sometimes I want to be this person mm-hmm. and I have this belief system 
And even with this belief system that I will probably hold on to until the day that I die, right. there is a game that I have to play because I'm playing against people who do not believe what I believe. Right. So somewhere I end up having to compromise to get anything done. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't still believe what I believe, but because I will never get to what I believe at, over here if I don't compromise a work little bit, someone. if I don't work with somebody. Is that something that you think you've had to learn as how to, to is there, there is a certain game to all of this. Yeah. And, and that, this goes into anything. This goes into creative world. It goes into business world. It goes into even family and how to deal with family. But you have to work with other people to get where you want to be. I, you have to find a way even if you work. don't like them mm-hmm. to okay how can we both you know get here 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 because there might be roadblocks in place people roadblocks that keep you from where you want to be if you don't work with them then you're not getting anywhere i think it's one of those things where you have to learn not to compromise your values but make way for other possible belief systems even if it's temporarily mm-hmm. and I think um, it's easy to look like you have compromised your values when you're doing that yeah and people and and sitting and, on the sidelines saying oh, oh she wow. sold out oh she yeah like, no, this is how I have to this is what I have to do this is part of what I have to do to get to this thing that I believe in right here yeah, what I want over here I just have to I have to give a little and to some people the give looks like you're, it looks like you're giving more than you are and I think that's important for people to know like when when they're starting out in any profession anything at all like when you're at the bottom don't act like you're at the top you know you have to you have to work your way up there yeah because there's gonna be unfortunately like you could be the, the most talented person on earth but there's gonna be people in your way that are gonna try and hold you back because of the way you and it's just like, and I can walk into a room and be authentic and be myself. That doesn't, and but but still have to. But that doesn't take it away from anybody. Exactly. You being yourself, you being you know, but you can still, you know, work with someone who maybe has a different perspective or, or who doesn't um, see the 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 track or whatever the way you are. You can't just throw your 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 notebook down and be like, this is the way it has to be. That's I think not it's not going to get you anywhere. I think it's the concept of the long game. You know, it's, right. it's like, it's, that's, that's what it is. It's chess. It's a long, it's a long you know, game. I like, I always thought that's something that people should do more of is those kind of strategic games because yeah. it's like, it teaches you a little bit to be like, okay, if I do this, I can get here and that can get me here and this can get me here versus just, you know, being emotional about it. The real challenge is not forgetting what you were thinking about over at right. point one. That's the part that gets difficult. And some yeah. people do. And I, you know, I understand lose that. Lose track of what some you people wanted lose, to begin with. Yeah, lose track of who they are. Totally. Lose track of what they wanted to believe. Yeah. 100%. So I can understand that concern. But I think the reality is, like, you, you're just going to work, you're going to work with people who are different. Than it's you. not a straight line. It's not though. a straight line. You're not just going to just barrel through and just push everyone over and get to where you wanted to be. It's not going to work. And you can, you know, you can yell your way through there. You can make it unpleasant you can make it easy you can you can have your opinions your feelings but like if you're starting out at the bottom of a company or a bottom of a whatever you have to kind of like unless you're some sort of an abolitionist right which i can like i respect that totally like i respect that like 
But I also know that but there's that a lot of people who say own. that they're that way. Yeah. And then they get there and it's like, oh, I can't really do that. Right. You know? Well, um, but even still, like people who like break those barriers and who, who, who redefine how something is run, those people are going to do that anyway. Yeah. And I would say, unfortunately, those people are also like the exception. Like not everybody is this mold breaking person. Mm. Right. And so you have to, you know, work your way through a system, get to be in a position of power in that system, and then you can change the system. But you can't be in, you know, changing anything like working at a label or whatever. And from the outside, yell in and be like, you have to do this, this and this. I mean, it's like you, it's like you could, but I feel like you have to attain to, to. Or you just have to be that good. That good, that <laughs> like, good yeah. or you need that much uh, like solidarity, right? And yeah. it's just like, even that, even the, the process of re, like getting solidarity with people, right? That's, that's a political process right. because even with people who are on the same side as you, there's still going to be a difference of opinion in some Absolutely. type of area. So Which would be just, weird if it wasn't. Yeah. Exactly. So it's just like, okay, well, you know, even if I just want to be like, you know, r radical about the way that I like operate right now, I have to have so many people who will do this with me because they're also unfortunately won't be ex effective. You need allies, you need help. You need people. We already, we already live in a thing that's just, I mean, it's just fucked up already. Like yeah. it's just, it's, this is how it's set up. So if we want to like knock it all the way down. We could do it, but not alone. Mm-hmm. You know exactly. Um, so I mean, that's just. And then, in you know, when you get to the top, there's going to be people at the bottom going, "This is fucked up, man." Because <laughs> then they're going to change the way you're doing it. You know what I mean? Because look at even like, especially and we, this this conversation can really track, but it's not just music industry. It could be everything. This could be politics. This could be everything. Anything. But you know what people thought like a success was of like changing the system in the sixties. And now like you could look back to that. It's like, Oh my God, that, that's so childish. That's what you thought you, you, yeah, you, and, you and, and, and I guarantee you in like 20, 30 years, people are gonna look back and go, you guys thought that was, you know, it's, it's always ever evolving. And that's why I'm always hesitant to like be a little harsh on people that were from like a different era. Like yeah. when they're dead people that are like, you're looking back and going, you know, when you ran the movie studios in the thirties and they were, I, they were these horrible people to these, like, well, I think it was Judy Garland. I'll be horrible harsh. people. I'll be harsh cause they deserve it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I recognize that they probably aren't going to change, but it's but like, I'm they're going to be charged. Harsh. They're dead now. It's like one yeah, of those people where it's like, well, that's, that, that, that's why things changed yeah. because they were horrible. Yeah. You know, then you get to the fifties and sixties. It was, you know, their changes were, it's like incremental. And then now, and now we have all these problems here. But in the arc of where we've been, you know, we've come from where they, when they started these studios and these labels and all these things back then to now. And then, you know, we're like halfway there. When you look at another 50, 60 years, people are going to be looking back and going, wow, look how far back they were. Yeah. When you think this is the pinnacle of everything. Yeah. And that's kind of like the, it's just interesting to me because it's like one of these things where I'm like, I look back on some of these documentaries or different things about this these industries and stuff and just be like they were horrific like the way they the, the working hours how long they worked they had kids working they had all these things and then you're just kind of like and then people got in there and changed it and then it became different and then those people were eventually pushed out by younger people and then like, you know and it keeps um, going yeah, like the literal idea of progress and, like you're progress. literally at that point right now where you're starting you know, you're on the young side now mm -hmm. and you're working your way through. 
I mean, there's so many things that I would just like to bulldoze through. I mean, yeah. so many things that I'm just like, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this. But I'm just oh. like, damn, I, I do need money because I do want to go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, if you know, we lived in that world where you could just wave a wand and everyone gets everything yeah. and you're good, you know, but like realistically, what can you do and what you're doing in yeah. the next 10 years? Yeah. Like that's the reality. And, and there's so many people who want to, you know, uh, say they play the part, but it's just like playing the part is hard. Yeah. Like it's hard. It's hard to really, it's really hard to stand by what you believe all the time. Mm-hmm. And I have so much respect for anybody who does it. And I would, and I really, I think my goal in life, I aspire to be the person who does it all the time, but I recognize that I just, by virtue of being a human, there are many times where I'm a hypocrite. But everybody is. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's, it's how much of that you recognize. Yeah. Because if you recognize it a bit, you know, and, you, and you're aware of it, and you try and better yourself, I just feel like as long as people are trying to better themselves, it's a step yeah. forward. But when you're a hypocrite and you're just... This is what it is. When you're, exactly, when you're just, yeah, I don't care. That's when it becomes a little bit of a problem. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's like one of these things where it's like I feel like as you work your way through and you, and you get success and get another success and you keep going, you know, you'll become in that position where you can make those changes and moves. Yeah. Versus I mean, just, you know, again, like sitting at the bottom of the hill and just and yelling at the top. It's like they're not going to listen to you until you show them you're undeniable. And I do feel like, um, you know, I will, I will say as a, as a person who is just part of like, like an oppressed group, I know we're talking about this in so many different fields, right, but, but I recognize it does go to all kinds of it, different fields. It, it yeah. goes to all different types of fields, but I, I, I will say that, um, when I think about what this means, when we are talking about like, you know, racism, it's like, oh yeah, but I don't want to leave any... I don't. I don't want to leave time for people to figure things out. I would actually. You said like that to, to me before like when we switch things. Up. We had this conversation once before. Yeah. Where you said something along, and I can't remember what it was, but you had we had witnessed something that was racist. Right. And I was like, I want to shake things up now. Like I don't. I'm not trying to wait and figure yeah. it out. Like no, yeah. no, no, no. I will fuck everything yeah. up right now. I'll burn this shit yeah. down. And I mean, there are times where there are certain lanes where that's the person that I'm in, but that's probably because I'm the most depressed in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so I do have to recognize that I might feel differently in a different situation, but exactly. there's someone who's more oppressed than me yeah. in that situation that's going to feel differently. So may, I will support their fight. Because in that point, that, it was more supportive of someone else. We were a little bit more like, well, I mean, you can, you can do that, mm-hmm. or we can just, you know, and, and there's pick your battles kind of thing. And, and I hate forward. being that person because I, you know, I, I totally want to be like, you know what, girl, say fuck this shit. Exactly. It out. seems, but it <laughs> makes it seem so wet, weak to be like, well, you know, we can just, let's just, just get your check and get, yeah. you know, and it'd be nice to just be that, like, just blow up, burn it down and yeah. walk off, you know. Yeah, but even that sometimes, I mean, it requires a certain level of privilege. I couldn't say that to her because I know she didn't have that level of privilege. Exactly. To just. Which is why it was good that you took that because. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. It's how you feel. Yeah. I can't, because that's how I feel. I always feel when people have that kind of emotion. I'm like, I, what am I supposed to tell you? Yeah. You feel how you feel. I'm, all, I'm the person who's going to empower the decision that you want to make. So if, you, if, I, right. if I sense that you want to walk off here and get the fuck out, then okay, bye. Yeah. Do it. Hell yeah. Do it. Fuck that. Yeah. But... Everyone is not always there. That's what I'm also realizing. Sometimes people are looking for someone to tell them what to do. 
I'm not going to tell you to walk out if I know you got to pay your bills or whatever. You exactly. Know? I mean, I, w- I w- in a perfect world, it would be great yeah. to be able to do that and make the, the statement and do it. But, you know, yeah. it, it, that's why it's so hard. Because it's like, on the one hand, it's like you got to pay your rent. Because I feel like I know what I would do. But that's because I've already been through so much shit that I'll take the heat. Mm-hmm. Everyone, I recognize that everyone can't. And you've gotten to a point where you feel like you can, you know. It's like only I only feel like I can because I've bounced back so many times that I always know that I will bounce back. Yeah. So I might tell somebody, "Hey, you'll bounce back," but if they don't believe that, I can't tell them to do something that they. No, I'm with you on that. I <laughs> I know? do not like telling people what to do. Yeah. If it's gonna. I've had this conversation with a friend before too, and I'm like, I, I don't feel comfortable telling you to quit school or to quit this or do that. If, if that's like a big decision, mm-hmm. I don't really want to put my hands on the scale. Yeah. I'm willing to support you and what you want to do. Yeah. What makes you feel right, what makes you feel good. If you feel like, you know, lighting the match and walking away is the best thing to do, I, I have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. You know, I just support you. If you want to stay and you want to get your check and you want to walk off and just maybe not, you know, choose who you're working with in the future or whatever, that's also okay. Yeah. Because I just don't have an opinion about what you should do with your life. Yeah. Because I don't want, I'm afraid of being that person that says, yeah, fuck them, quit. <laughs> and then they're like, hey, can I stay with you? Because I got kicked out. It's like. Right. And now I have to set my boundary. And that's my like, fault. no. <laughs> you know, it's like, I feel like I, I did that. I did that. Yeah. And I don't want to be. And I also don't want you to stay with me, which is a boundary that's fair to say. <laughs> well, and even like, when I, you know, I have friends because like I dropped out of college. So it's like, right. I have friends who were like, and I dropped out of a good college. And mm-hmm. it was one of those things where people were like, what are you thinking? And all that kind of stuff. And I would never recommend it to anybody. Not because I don't think they could do it. Because I think tons of people that I know that are like, want to be creatives, they want to be this, they want to be that, they want to be entrepreneurs. It's because that's such a big decision. It's a huge decision. I, I have the same one. I quit my job and I ended up in my car. So now I can't tell people, just quit your job. Right. <laughs> because I know what that Unless, what that you, unless you're going to say, look, you know, here's what happened to me. Here's what happened to me. And like we were talking about earlier with that situation with the racism, it was like you, you come from a... a, a place of of having experience it yourself yeah so you can tell someone but for me i was like what am i supposed to tell you how to feel yeah i don't know yeah do you choose i hope you choose this because it's good for all of us but i also understand if you choose this you know i get it yeah and this is on you you choose what you want to do and either way i get it you know but being that person with even if you've had the experience of sleeping in your car. Yeah. It's like when you tell someone, yeah, no, quit your job. It's like they might not have, you made it through that. All these different decisions and ways that you, you know, your path took you to a place where you succeeded or are on your way to succeeding and you're in your journey right now. Doesn't mean that they're going to. Yeah. I mean, and they might, I was like, you might have more they support. They might. You, you might, might be better than I am. Yeah. Cause you might have more support than I did. I didn't have yeah. any really like, I mean, I did. I yeah. Mean, I mean, don't let me say that. I definitely ended up having lots of support but also i will be transparent and say that when that happened for me i i always knew it was temporary yeah i always knew it was temporary i can't say that for every person who asks me what to do and that's that's why it's so (laughs) concerning to make that decision for someone else and i i personally am very wary of making that decision for someone else or or feeling like i'm putting my finger on the scale and being like the deciding factor for mm-hmm. why you do something. Because if yeah. it goes bad, then I feel bad. 
Yeah. And I don't, I, I'd rather give you the support no matter what you choose. Yeah. And if you choose to do this, this, and this, and it goes terribly, I'm still going to support you. If it goes amazing, I'm still going to support you. Right. But I just don't want you to take my word as gospel and, and just do what I say. Because that's yeah. not, that's also, that's not you figuring your life out. Yeah. No, I mean, I think my biggest thing, right, that I, again, something that I aspire to and the advice that I give people, everyone, is like, what is, what is going to allow you to show up in the most authentic, as the most authentic you like yeah and is it authentic to you like do, does this feel like an innate decision is it a, is it a you decision you know or is someone telling you to do it or, or someone or, telling or, you or to you do feeling it. are you in feelings right now where you're you're just angry or you're sad or you're unfulfilled and that's why you're making the decision those can be good things yeah you know but you still need to like you were saying before you were kind of saying like, i had to map a lot of this stuff out first i didn't just like just start making decisions yeah you know, and that's important. And even when I did, I paid for them and I had to own up to them. And you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. So, you know, any of those people that you're, that, that ask those, those questions or say, Hey, what should I do? It's like, you're going to make mistakes, you know? No. And I, the best thing to be is just supportive. hundred percent. I've had that support. You've probably had that support. Yeah. So, you know, that's another thing too, with, with this kind of industry is finding that group of support. Do you have that? Do you have like a group of friends now? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I have, um, that's one of the things I'm so grateful for because most of my family has lived miles and miles and miles away from me ever since I was 18. Right. Um, and so I've, I've made a habit of making family of some of my closest friends and it's always, I've always gotten, yeah, the support that I need, yeah. honestly. Even when it was time to move to LA, I had, you know, the support that I needed. I, I um, one thing, I, there are a lot of decisions that I feel like I wish I could just like revise, Yeah. but I'm, I'm grateful for my decision making process when it came to selecting my friends because so I you have, have like, you have things that you wish you would have done differently, but you don't regret them. I don't regret them, but choosing good friends has yeah. all like, has been something that I'm, I've been good at and um, are they even in, are friendships, they in the same industry or are they just good friends oh, both some some bo both honestly both yeah. honestly both um, and even the friendships that didn't last they were supportive when I needed them to be yeah you know I mean sometimes like things just fall apart but mm -hmm. like people grow apart people grow apart mm -hmm. life happens whatever but I can't say that I've had friends that were not supportive right yeah I've always had like I've always had that, and I'm really, I'm really, really grateful for that, um, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in LA without that, you know. And I'm, I really feel like this is like a, this was a destined move for me, because I moved here, and again, like I said, like it wasn't my session, but I was in a session with LA Reed. Two months after moving here. No, exactly. Yeah, that <laughs> you was know? the other thing was you moved here so recently. Yeah, I moved here. You've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. And, and you've moved, probably built up a catalog. Mm -hmm, a catalog and relationships and all this stuff, the things that I could, I mean, yeah, I could, I, I think I could like leverage some of those relationships if I didn't live here, but living here, I think just adds like a different layer. Well, like you said, you pull up, you're in the room. Pull up. It's very much pull up culture. It's just like, hey, like we're in the studio, come through. Mm -hmm. I could do that now. You know, I could do that can't now. can't be on Zoom. 
trying to. I mean, and who's going to get on Zoom hey, and put hey me in guys. a writing session? Like nobody, right. you know, the, who's going to do that? Right. So, um, yeah, like being here has been instrumental. I mean, I signed a, um, to a modeling agency in December. So that's five, six months after yeah. moving here. The year's going quick. Yeah. This year's going quick. Yeah, I, I signed to a modeling agency. So that that was nice. And that was just like a little like, kind of like a boost, like a little ego boost. Like, okay, this was there was a reason I'm here because that's uh, another stream of income that wouldn't have been possible for me where I was living before. Right. Just because they don't, I mean, the brands are here, the headquarters are here, mm-hmm. the shoots are here, the, all, the, all that stuff is here. Um, so yeah, pull up to the session. L.A. Reid is here. I wasn't going to get that in North Carolina. Yeah. And again, it wasn't my session, you know, but, no, but you were there. I was there. It was, it was something that was meaningful enough for me that was like, okay, keep pushing. Yeah. You know, just like that, that positive reinforcement. Um, and it's happened in a number of different ways since I've moved here. So it's, it's been important for me um, and meaningful to me. And I know that I'm, again, only a year, not even a year and nine months in. So I know I'm so like, I'm nowhere near the pinnacle of mm-hmm. that. Cause I'm still- You're climbing up the, the way. Yeah, I'm climbing up the way. I'm still building relationships. And a lot of them are new. A lot of them are new. And I think also, I think a lot of my, maybe the most meaningful relationships are, they're fruitful along the way, but career-wise are not fruitful until years later because yeah, yeah. that's not something that I like I don't go into any relationship like oh what can what I get from do? you yeah. what do they do what, mm-hmm. they, what can I get from them da, 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 da. you'll have to watch that eventually you know when people want to be friends with you right eventually but, but you know it's important to make those those roots now because you will have those friends then and you can trust them now. and all of the re- the return that I get from all of my friendships right now has n- Almost none of it has been a, a career return. It's soul related. It's, it's soul it's, related. Yeah. It's I, I vibe with you. I care about you. You yeah. care about me. I had this, you know, life changing moment and you, they were there supporting me, whatever. Like it's, it's been that. And then if maybe, maybe at some point it turns into, oh, there's this opportunity. Would you? Yeah. Because I know you yeah. at this point. I know you. I trust you. I value you. I I see how you work. I, you know, and if, and if I see how you work and I don't like it, you can't, you're, there's no offense because you know that I love you in other ways, you know, like regardless of what you bring to my career, you know? So like, um, I like to build relationships that way. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes, I mean, I've been friends with people for 10 years before we talk about anything career related. Yeah. If ever. That's important. I think it's very important to have like just also friends that aren't in what you do. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to be just. I had a friend who I was working with on on um, it's an artist, and I was like working on her team, and we were one time we were at an Airbnb, and they're like, "Man, like we're in LA, like who do you think our celebrity friends are gonna be?" And I was like, "Not nobody. We're friends. Like my friends are y'all. Like I'm not here to make friends with celebrities. Like." They're in the same position yeah. that, that you would be in, which is like, that, who who do you trust at that level? I was like, yeah, all these other people are they're, they're coworkers. They got their friends. They're now. coworkers until otherwise, you know, otherwise, mm-hmm. like y'all are my friends. Right. It's who's gonna want to be friends with us. We'll see. Yeah. But I mean, we are friends. Like I don't. I'm not worried about these other people because they already have their circles. Like, 
I'm not try, sitting yeah. here trying to il- infiltrate. You're supposed to be the one that's that's. You guys are all becoming successful, and then people are going to want to be friends with you. Yeah, network laterally. Same as you're talking about wanting to be friends with a celebrity. You're going to become that person, and then you're going to. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know. Yeah. It's not about, um, you know. I don't know. It's it's just it's a it's like a when you get to that level, you're not looking for friends who just moved to LA. At all. Or New York or anywhere. At all. At all. You know, you got to make your own groups and come up together. Absolutely. You know, one of you maybe has is quicker to that than the others, and then you help each other out and that Period. kind of thing. But yeah, that's why having that group is so important. People who are like-minded and into the same kind of things it doesn't have to be everyone that you're friends with. Yeah. But it is who you surround yourself with. And I don't know if you have that same experience, but if you surround yourself with people who are all kind of focused on, you know, one goal, yeah, you're more likely to reach that goal than if you're just friends with with you know either nobody which some people do, they're just very reclusive and don't want to share anything. Or you're friends with people who just want to, you know, just lay on the couch and I not ha- do anything. I have friends, who, I have, I'm friends with people who don't want to do anything in that bit. That's just because I get personal fulfillment out right, of that friendship. Right, right, but that's different. That's yeah. that's like you having movie night with one of your yeah. friends. One of my best friends is like, he has nothing to do with anything. He's in an <laughs> athletic like type thing. Yeah. He's not, but he's not though like in a situation where it would hold me back from things. Yeah. Or if I'm just hanging out with people that, you know, have no aspirations to do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it doesn't have no, to be... No, he has aspirations. They're just not entertainment Exactly. Related. No, that, yeah. but that's a different kind of person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, someone who has... If they want to be the best doctor, they want to be the best lawyer, they want to be the best yeah. philosopher, whatever. Yeah. But they want to they do... Progress in some progress capacity. At hobby, anything. It can mm-hmm. be anything. Anything. Versus... Like if I'm in a more depressed mood where I'm just laying in bed not wanting to do anything. Right. I've had friends before where that's all they do. Mm. And they're still doing that. Right. And yeah. that wouldn't help me. Yeah. And not that I need them to help me, but that doesn't motivate me. Absolutely. I mean, so, uh, it's uh, beyond that. It's like a, it's like a, it's toxic to me because I could I could slip into that, and I don't want to be exactly. I don't want to commiserate. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to be sitting there commiserating. And it's fine and for so, yeah. one night or two. Yeah. But like if it's all week or a month. So, and like you, you mm-hmm. were saying before, like time can go real quick. Yeah. You know, and things can turn into months and six months and a year, two years, five years, 10 years. And then you're like, what the hell? I still cannot believe I've been in LA for nine months. People are like, how long have you been in LA? Five months? Like, oh, sh- wait, no. Nine. No, nine. Almost oh, almost a year. Like, wait, what? Like, And it'll be like that. And then it'll be, before you know, it'll be five years. Yeah. 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 Oh, I was just thinking recently. I was like, I've been doing this kind of stuff for nine years. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? I was, I was like, no, no, it's seven years. And then I, I counted it and I was like, wait, oh my God. And I'm like, how am I that, A, A how am I that old to have done something for nine years? <laughs> B. I know, I know, I just start counting the years. Like, what? And B, I'm like, damn. But at least you've stuck with it. Yeah. You know, and like what we were saying before, you know, like all that stuff that you look at at the bottom, you're like, I have to do all this, all these like failures, all these. You know, tons of failures. Like dozens and dozens and dozens of them. And so many people, so many of the people that I meet in LA who have made it or who are successful, you know, by like whatever uh, general like standards or whatever, they've been doing it for years. They just lived right. here for a long time. Right. So it's just like, oh no, they've been doing it for 15 years. They just popped this year. 
and you and they've been doing it for 15 years in LA and the first thing people go is like oh man so lucky yeah and it's like no <laughs> like so I met lucky. this like actor and he was like starting to get parts in like like Westworld and like you know these like and he's like oh yeah no but I've been acting in LA for 12 years it's like yeah. oh okay I mean I, I had a friend I have a friend who is an actor he's and he was talking about he's like do you know the 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 like how difficult it is to go to a short film for a college student and then say we'll call you <laughs> he's like you know what I mean he's yeah. like he's like to go all you want to be is an actor and to be to go to, to audition after audition after audition and you and you haven't got you know a part yet and you go to like something that you think is just like this is like a kid's short film in college like I got this and you didn't even get that he's like do you, to keep going after that he's like yeah. he's like but then right after that you might get something something huge if you don't stop but yeah. if you stop then well yeah then you're a failure yeah and that's what he said he was like I, I kept going and he ended up getting a part on a, on a TV show but um he was like, do you know? He was kind of making a joke about it, but he was like, do you understand? Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine. <laughs> to have a college student go, mm, no, I don't think not for me. Right for this. You know, not for me. Yeah. You know, and just like, and he's like, I've been doing this for like a decade. And he's like, and I'm just now getting something. A decade. I mean, yeah. That's what I feel like I'm like, I want to speak so much positivity onto my career, but I'm also just preparing for like, it could take a year. You're pragmatic, though. It's it, you can be positive about it with with no, but without being, you know, you know, yeah. this is gonna be work. Yeah, no, and I recognize. I'm like, you know, it could it it could be a year. I could I could it could be I could come back next year and we have a sit down and mm-hmm. it's just like whoa. So in she's a got year, diamonds yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, that is what I'm envisioning for myself, 100. Yeah. percent Like that's what I'm expecting. Um. And I don't want to say more than that because I don't want to speak anything else onto my life. Right. But like, I'm, pre- keep, I'm prepared for everything. Keep moving forward. Though. Yeah. And every time you have something that's a success, you you keep moving. Yeah. And keep going. And I think also one of the things that I I, I learned is that um, your career is made up of a lot of small moments, mm-hmm. a lot of small a lot of small victories even a lot of big victories. It's not a thing. Yeah. One thing could be pivotal, but one thing doesn't make a legend. Right. It's not one performance. It's not one, it's, it's, it's several moments that you're just like, wow, this person did this and this yeah. and this well, and this. When you think and then like you a legend, look back. Yeah. And whether it's an artist or, or whether it's a painter or whether it's whatever, it's never just one thing. It's never just one thing. That's a one hit wonder. Uh, exactly. And those are great. Mm-hmm. You know, but all the not... people that I, you know, look up to, you know, I, we, we talked about like Rihanna, we, Beyonce. I, I think about all the performances that I've seen that I remember were pivotal performances for mm-hmm. Beyonce. It wasn't one. And it could have ended it. Yeah. Right there. Exactly. And was... people don't, people don't like, they don't think about that stuff. They don't think, and it's not, you know, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't matter. But like people who are, if you're trying to work towards something, looking at those people and saying like, Rather than just that she would just succeed no matter what, and she had no failures, and there was nothing that was not so great, or mm-hmm. you know that she didn't like, or or not a hit, or it was a miss, a flop, whatever. 
you know, there's, and, and this goes for any kind of thing, athletes or, or people in just regular everyday life. Like you, you never, you know, know until you've made it. Yeah. But even then you got to keep going. And recognizing that it's okay to have failures in between. And you, that failures It doesn't make you a failure. Exactly. It means you had a miss. Exactly. And you need to keep moving. The biggest danger, and I've seen it with people before, they just give up. And I've had moments. I'm, I'm Realistically, I've had moments where I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And that's why I had to move. Because I was like, if I stay there, mm-hmm. I'm going to stop. It's, I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to stop. My, my, my I ref- creativity is going to just I refuse to look up and be... 45 right here mm-hmm. so i have to do something else i don't think it's i don't fun. think it's unrealistic to say that probably anybody who's who's doing anything worthwhile has had the the, the thought is i doing the right thing is this the right move should i be doing this i mean that's a jay-z quote right that doesn't i don't know Jay, yeah he was like the genius thing that i did is not quit yeah and i've but yeah. i've had people tell me like never once never once doubted it i'm like really that doesn't sound realistic, though. Mm. You never once doubted. I doubt it all the time. I doubt I all the time. Keep, yeah. But then I said, no, no. I th- if you just say, I just, I never doubted it. That reminds me that, that I, like, I huh? need to watch that genius documentary. Have Which you seen one? that? Kanye. Kanye no. I still haven't seen it, but um, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently. Which is like, you know, when you hear about, when you, you know, watch Kanye and all those things, you'd like, it's maybe something that you don't expect. But I think yeah. the feedback that I heard from the documentary, which I'm so embarrassed that I don't watch because that's like a very important documentary for the path that I'm pursuing. But um, the feedback that I heard was like, it felt good to see that even Kanye, this person who's attained this level of success. Oh, I've heard. Had those moments. Yes. Where he doubted himself. This like, you know, quote unquote, arrogant, yada yada person, Mm -hmm. you know, self-proclaimed genius. I I mean, I don't even know if it's fair to say self-proclaimed anymore, but like, you know, this like Well, it's also like, you know, when people say no, it's like, well, okay, wait. We're not saying he's a rocket scientist. No, we're saying that he's very talented at what he does. He's a genius at... You could say marketing. You could say you could say branding. Branding. You could say clothing. You could say design. You exactly. could say You could say visuals. Hundred percent. That's really not debatable it's, for it's a not. lot of people. You don't have to like them personally. Period. I don't. Period. When I see people like that, I, you don't have to judge them based on their. You know what? Do you think that you would like them sitting down with them? Absolutely. Probably not. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Most of those people, and it could be it could be any industry, but yeah. it, but you know most of those people you probably wouldn't like sitting down with because they got to a certain level by being unapologetically you know what yeah, they want absolutely um i think that's still a, i don't know if artists like i do know some artists like that that are at the top of their genre or field have in the very beginning had to do albums or things with the labels that they didn't want to do yeah and so to see and that- they do their best to bury those uh-huh. once they get successful because this is what they want to do exactly i mean he said that about my beautiful dark twisted fantasy which is everyone's favorite Kanye album. i didn't want to do it right you so, know kind of thing yeah. and, and for him that probably didn't represent what he wanted, wanted to do yeah absolutely but he did it anyway and that's kind of what we were talking about before where it's like he kind of recognized okay i gotta he just, had to give a little i got it okay let's make it as good as it can get it may not be what i want and then i will get to the point where i can have Total do what control. I want. Yeah. And he did get to that point where he had total control visually and everything. And mm-hmm. even now, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think it's and but for like for me hearing that somebody who has that reputation mm-hmm. of arrogance, uh, whatever you want to call it, narcissism, whatever, doubted themselves. Yeah. It's like okay. All all of this is normal. There's like the Kanye that you hear, like on like, like the Instagram. Yeah. Kanye. And then there's like interview Kanye or, mm. or when he's off the cuff talking to someone. Like I've heard him talk to people like caught on, you know, he's talking to someone or, and it's like very um, like insightful mm-hmm. and very down to earth yeah. and very, and then you get the Kanye that's like making noise on Twitter. Yeah. It's like a different thing, you know? And, 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 I, and then I have to recognize that that's probably intentional. That's probably a device. probably trying to yeah. rile you up anyway. It's a device. It's something that he's using because he recognizes that, that that's a tool in its own right that he's right. just going to use. And it worked. Yeah. Because you're all talking about always. it. Always. Uh, yeah. And I'm always like amazed by that. I'm like, <laughs> if you don't like it, stop feeding into it because yeah. then it won't, then he'll stop doing it and he'll do something else to get your attention. Mm-hmm. And people always end up doing that. This works for anybody, really. Yeah. But like people that that they know how to get the attention on them. Kim's like that too. Like they know how to get the eyes on them, and they will get them. And it's a skill. Yeah. I don't really have Absolutely. that skill. I'm more into the the art and that kind of thing. So I think my my like biggest. Uh... I could do someone else and tell them what to do. <laughs> but I don't like doing so, it for myself. And that's what it is. That's what I, that's what I was going to say. I feel like I have the skill. I hate using it. On myself. Because yeah. I feel so guilty, right? I, like yeah. recently I was in a room with like some friends and then like one of them was like, oh, you were just talking for five minutes and da, da, da. I was like, damn. I was like, that makes me feel bad, right? That you feel a way that I was like talking for five what minutes. What do you mean? You, they felt like you were talking too long? Yeah. They felt like I was talking to like long. just friends, like in a room, or yeah. you're talking about what? I don't even remember because I don't even remember talking for that long. You know, so I don't mm. even know. But the comment that was made was like, "You talk too much." Yeah, you were talking for five minutes, and I was wondering if I could get some me time. And I was like, "Oh, see." What I were you talking about? That were you talking about like something that's going on in your I life, mean, or probably, probably some life, or yeah. I don't. I honestly, I honestly do not even recall. But I remember hearing that and being like, "Wow, like." Yeah, that I just, I have to be okay with that. I have to be okay with the fact that there's going to be times where people feel like they've had enough of me. Yes. And that's How just going to be part. How do you think I feel this, doing this? I, I hate being in front of a camera. I like being behind the camera. I like having, but the funny thing is, is I intentionally, when I set this thing up, my very first episode with a good friend of mine, she's actually, not the same story, but she's from Ethiopia, mm-hmm. wanted to be a hairstylist, amazing girl. And similar, like she came here, kind of had to do the work visa thing and everything and get here and um, had some, you know, she had uh, the episode where we're going to refilm it because it was, I filmed it on my first setup. Mm -hmm. But she was in a fire um, in a hair salon and ended up like battling that and like becoming a hairstylist. Like Mm -hmm. now she's like a really, really good one. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And um, I just thought it was amazing that like, like, I could sit down and talk. That was the first person where I was like, I can sit down with them and like hear their story, interview them. Like a little bit like interviewee, but like, you know, it can go on like a podcast would, long time. They can talk about anything. It can be a while, a couple hours. But then I was like, I don't want to talk. Like, I don't want to be, I don't even want to be, I want to ask them maybe some questions, but I don't really want to talk that much. 
because I hate the sound of my voice. Mm. I hate the way I look on camera. It's always the people who hate their sound, the sound of their voices who are the best interviewers. But it's the worst. And I, like I had a, a friend on like episode three or four, I don't remember. He, he works at like a spinal cord injury mm. uh, place. He, like they help to, to help people learn to, to regain motor function, all kinds of things. And he was like, oh yeah, no, he was giving me like the, the, the he's like, no, it's like, it's, it's the bones in your ear and you're hearing what nobody else hears. He said, you're hearing it inside you. Yeah. And that's why you're grossed out by your own voice. And right. he's like, some people just love the sound of their voice, but most people don't. And I was like, oh, so he's, I, I put a little bit of a scientific bent to it. Mm-hmm. But long story short, I just was like, I don't want to talk. So the first episode, I actually put her camera on her two cameras like one close so i could see like details and then one straight on and then i was off camera asking questions and it just didn't work because it was a little boring yeah because when it cuts back and forth you have to have a little more otherwise it was just on her the whole time and so i ended up doing this way and this isn't really what i wanted to do but it ended up working because for the most part i let people talk we talk a little bit and i talk more and i'm getting more comfortable with it but it's just funny because it's that I can tell other people, you need to do this, you need to do that. Here's what you yeah. do for the marketing. Here's how you're gonna get this brand out there. Here's Same. how you get you out yeah. there. And then they're like, it's like, but it's like me saying it like, like I know this is what works, and I know how to guide you there. I just don't want to do it for myself because I don't like the attention. I could, but I don't yeah. want to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just. I think in my case, it was just like. I didn't realize that what I was doing was a form of me soliciting attention. And you already had gotten a little bit of that attention just to dealing with your father, though. In different ways. So you, you know? kind of already had that, like, you had already been getting hate, or he had been getting hate, you were having to defend him. Yeah. So maybe that was a bit of, like, not that it was meant to happen, but, like, it, it, it you know, you, you learned from that horrible experience, and maybe you, you have yeah. a little bit of a thicker skin now. Yeah, and I think An also, from him, from his profession... All of my siblings have like uh, an innate ability to just go into like soliloquies, right? Like so, including me. Yeah. So it's just a thing that we do. I never thought about it as like, oh, this is like ruining other people's experience in the room that I'm no, talking. I mean, you know what I mean? Like that I'm like that I've been talking. Like I didn't even ever think about that. But I'm yeah. like, oh. Some people are made uncomfortable or feel away or feel like they don't have space. Well, and you're encouraged probably from your father and mother to like to, to do that yeah. too. You've been, you've seen by example, you've probably been encouraged to do that. But then I also know some people at home are told to shut up. Yeah. And so it's a trigger. So they never get stopped. Yeah. So it's a trigger. It's definitely like, it's a trigger yeah. to, to. And I've had to that. learn that with, with friends too, that that's not, not quite the same, but, but similar where like they. You can watch them because they don't. They start and then they stop and then they start and and they had to like learn to like jump into a conversation because people like us will just talk. Yeah, I mean that's and that's what it is. For and me. we're not excluding you. There's no one here, but like we're not excluding you. I'm just or used you. to someone else who jump will jump in. in. Absolutely. You know? And that's what you do for a living with the songwriting. Yeah. You do that. You jump in. Exactly. You guys. Oh, what about this? What about that? And that's probably why you're good at it. Mm-hmm. To be honest, because yeah. you jump in where you think you could put your spin on it or you think you could or here's what you know and that's what you do people like that they're it's sad because some and i don't know your friend but people like that spend an entire life without ever using their voice yeah never being able to talk never being able to overcome it because they're never able to to get it out there because they're afraid because you know to be fair they've been told their whole life to shut the hell up all right i definitely have terrible anxiety so sometimes like 
sometimes I just feel like I can't hear myself. What do you think that comes from? My mom has awful anxiety. So she was like a helicopter parent. And so I think she passed it on to me. Yeah? Yeah. You think it was just your upbringing or you think it was just... Yeah, I was taught to expect the worst. Mm. Or to believe that the worst could and more than likely will happen. See, I was taught to not get excited until it's Things happening. were final. Yeah. But not to fear the worst. I but was... but more to um like I like like to this day I don't get excited about things until it's like in my bank account. Until mm. it's like signed, done. Yeah. There's things that cuz I just don't. Yeah, I don't think that I my dad was very much just like uh what did you say your rising was Capricorn? He, his, I think that's what his rising was. Or he was Capricorn moon. But um, no, no, no. But my dad was very just like chill about most things. What's a rising again? Ascendant? Uh-huh. Ascendant? Capricorn. Yeah. yeah. He was, I think, a, mm. Capricorn. I think he was a Capricorn moon. But anyway. Yeah. Um, my mom was... My, my dad was like reasonable, rational. Mm. Which tends to be a Capricorn trait also. Reasonable, rational. Um, my mom is just, she was just like, oh my God, you cannot take the subway. There are kids getting abducted. Which there were. There were. Mm -hmm. She was like, so she wasn't wrong. She's like, you could get kidnapped. She's just not a, it'll be fine person. Absolutely not. No, no, no. Because you might not be fine. Yeah, exactly. She's like, oh no. Isn't that interesting? There's people that are like that, that are like, you could have two people grow up in the same house and one person could be like. Yeah, it's fine. It'll be fine. And then one person that's like, no, 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 no. Stark opposite. Isn't that weird? No, she was just like, oh, nobody can drive your car because they're not on your insurance. And if that anything happens, the world is She's not wrong. And she's right. It's, that's the thing. That was the problem. You could never debate it, right? Because she was, she was, she was right. Yeah. It hadn't happened yet. And it's just like. Oh, did you ever, did you ever read that uh, series of unfortunate events? Yes. And that it was uh, Anne Violet, right? Yeah. That was like, afraid of everything. Mm-hmm. But like, that was an extreme case. Yes, That's technically right. anything wrong could go, mm-hmm. could go wrong. Absolutely. You know, like, and it was just like that, like, like, what? You know, but she's not wrong. That's her. That's my mom. A hundred percent. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's pretty her. funny. Mm-hmm. And I was like that for a really, a really long time. And so you had a lot of anxiety. You still do? Yeah, I still do, but I cope with it better. Really? Yeah, I cope with it a, a whole lot better i think i i rationalize it now like i'm just like what do you mean by that what are the odds like you know what i mean i ask myself like what are the odds what is the worst thing that could happen even if this does happen do you think that that makes making decisions easier though because if you can only if you say what's the worst that could happen and the worst is not that bad yeah wouldn't it make it, you do it, it does it does absolutely all the time and then i also i think also the part of me that has now like um welcomed spirituality or religion a little bit more mm-hmm. makes it just like you know what whatever is for my highest good <laughs> like and so i do that with everything now like sometimes people are like oh my god but you could die doing this i'm like if it's my time it's my time yeah bye like it's probably not my time though i think that's interesting is, because i <laughs> i am it's not unfortunately but it's just it's a like you were saying where you think of the worst thing that could happen and that could maybe help you make a decision because if the worst is not that bad then why yeah. not why not do it versus having the outlook that i tend to have which is well what's what can come of that which is partly i think just being in this industry that's long a little bit not jaded because i'm not jaded 
but a bit of just cautious and conservative on what I do because of how many failures we'd had on different things, trying different things, all these different things. I don't want to waste my time. So I'm a little bit like, well, what can come from that? You know what, for me too, I had one, like, my just like deepest, darkest fear came true already. Really? It was losing my dad. Yeah. So when that happened... Everything else was like, well, whatever. Whatever. I don't care. Like, the worst thing that could happen to me has happened at this point. Yeah. Whatever. Let's go. Let's do whatever. Do you think that... Do you think that that experience has changed your songwriting at all? Losing your father or that all that? Do you think it's do you think it's changed who you are as a songwriter or are you still the same person writing for Britney Spears? Oh. I don't think it's changed it yet, but I think I haven't let it change it yet. I don't think I've allowed it to. Um I don't think I've, I don't think I have, I don't think that I have spent enough time alone trying to see where that has changed me. Why do you think that is? Because I still haven't grieved my dad's passing. Yeah. So I wrote one song about it. Have my you dad. been back since? Since because you hadn't gone I for did. a long time, it but did emotional. you go back? I did. It was really, it was really emotional. You went to you know see him and, and I saw his his grave yeah. and his, um, yeah no it was emotional. Um, I wrote a song about my dad. I I could barely get through it. I don't even know. I don't. It's a song that I think I will be writing for years to come mm-hmm. because I cry writing singing it yeah. I don't you know so um it might I'll say that it might it might change my it might change my songwriting it's still happening it's that's still happening like it's You're still, still dealing with it I'm still dealing even with though it. it's not you know it's it's not currently happening anymore that's that's done mm-hmm. he passed away yeah but I haven't I haven't You're fully brought yeah I haven't fully processed it. And that's the thing when people die. It's like you, they're still alive because you're still dealing with it. You're mm-hmm. still going to, you'll probably be dealing with that forever. But, but you'll, you'll get to a point hopefully where you can kind of close that chapter and, and love that you can do that. Yeah. You know, but I just thought as, a, as an artist, it'd be interesting to ask because it's such a, songwriting for you is probably very personal. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that is it. Is it easy to be going through that kind of emotion and be writing upbeat, peppy things? Uh, no. So what? I said, so what Does that happened? help? So, so my dad passed, and that informed a lot of the decisions I made just in life. Right. So I wrote about those decisions. So dating, right? I was. Not constructive relationships. Right. So I wrote about those things. And now, in retrospect, I recognize that those situations are situations I only experienced because I was still processing my dad's passing. So, in that way, it did. Hmm. But in terms of directly addressing my dad's passing or it directly affecting the way that I write, not yet, because I don't think I've allowed it to yet. I just haven't, I haven't. I haven't thought I haven't thought about even 
that. You won't open that up yet. I haven't opened it up yet. Because you know it's going to be a lot. And I, and I did one time, and I know that that time is not enough. I know there's more that, I know there's more coming. We're a little closer. Yeah. Yeah, I know there's more coming from that. So, um, when I, and, and, and I did stop, there's certain songs I stopped writing, and they were my best songs, right? It was like, oh, all the songs where I'm like, oh my God, you know, like, dude suck whatever 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 like fuck dating fuck love like those are my best songs Mm -hmm. but i also started realizing and like that thinking about like the power of the tongue and realizing that i was speaking that onto my life sometimes i would sing a song and i would write something and i would experience it like a year later and i'd be like Mm. oh no 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 I'm not writing this into my life it's supposed to be the other way around exactly (laughs) I'm supposed to be using this to process it not like like you know manifesting this into my life yeah so now i do write songs that somebody might perceive as shallow you know songs about like getting money because that's what i want to bring into my life i don't want to sing about that also as a songwriter you have a job to fit to sometimes to what the artist wants Mm -hmm. as well and that's why it's such an interesting job because it's it's one of the only well it's not the only every creativity Every creative job has the, the, that part of creativity where you have to compromise. Yeah. Like we were talking before. It's like, you know, as a photographer, I have to do something that usually is for the client, for what they want. We do my version of it, you know, or our version of it or whatever, a music video, same thing. But as a songwriter, you're doing something that's personal to you and you're kind of giving it to them and then they're taking it. And that's unlike anything else because when you give it to them it's one thing and they can turn it into something completely different totally different and if it's an emotional thing for you like the song you were about your father yeah i probably will never give that away that wouldn't be something unless it was <laughs> something that was like this was the right moment yeah. or this is the right person to do it but realistically that's gonna be a long list of of, of going yeah through so when you do have these things that are a little more you said shallow but like or, or surface you know that's okay though because yeah. you're writing that, that that's for pleasure that's for people's enjoyment people don't have to listen to things that are deep every time and some of the you know you can have some of the most popular songs in existence be very just catchy and cheap and easy yeah i welcome i, I think of songs sometimes as like spells yeah just like mm, what spell do i want to cast on myself what's right your now? favorite song you know that it, I, yeah it might not be a really deep song it might just be a fun you know this makes me feel good exactly song. so you know that that doesn't take away from the art of it at all if it's if it's a if, just because it's it's surface and fun doesn't mean that it's not good exactly it i mean still it, make people feel good and it's the song one of the songs that i wrote is like people the the song that i feel like is the most undeniable it's it's the song that i would play in a room yeah. full of people and everyone be like oh my god i love that song yeah. and it's the song that took me 35 minutes to write like he came in he played the beat mm-hmm. and i was like oh I was like, oh, wow, I didn't think about this at all. And people love this. But you did think about it. You just didn't, you didn't trip over yourself right. to think about it. Exactly. The thing about that is like, especially with art in general, at least from where I'm sitting, is like, if you didn't think about it, but people love it, that was just authentic. Mm-hmm. You just, this is, this is what makes me feel good. This is what's good. And people are identifying that. You can't like micromanage a, a good feeling exactly you know mm-hmm. like you overly do it you overly word it you, you you try and you know this is what people will like mm-hmm. rather than just writing what you like 
Yeah, that's why sometimes if once I start to think about a song too much, I just stop writing it. I was like, yeah. I'll come back. I'll come back. I'll come back in a month, two months, three months. I'll come back next when year. When it feels right. When it feels right. Yeah. Because if it's not coming to me, then I probably shouldn't be writing it right, right now. That's 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 always that's like a very good healthy way of doing it though. Yeah. Because if you like when I used to paint or draw, mm. like sometimes I would get stuck on something. Like I wouldn't be right and. It, it's worse if you just keep going. Yeah. Then walk away. Yeah. Come back with like, <laughs> relax, come back. And you go, oh, okay, here's how I can do it. Yes. Like, I can't get this to blend right. I can't get this to blend. paint something, especially paint. Because you're overcorrecting. You're, you're like, you're just staring at it. And you almost can feel yourself getting closer and closer to it. And it's like, you're in this tunnel vision. And you can't see the rest of it. And like, there is that kind of thing where... Any kind of artist will will know like you can ruin something by doing too much. So when it's done, it's done. And it, like most people who are artists, if any kind, have usually not always, but usually have a tough time stopping because yeah, they want to keep going. I'm working to make myself. It's like always a work it, in progress, rather than appreciating it. One of my favorite, yeah. like what, like George Lucas is one of my favorite directors and producers because just some of the most imaginative stuff he's created not just star wars he's done different things and in, in indie films and all kinds of stuff it's always new and different pushes the boundaries of technology a little more but the funny thing about him is you can I'm like, i can tell he's an artist because i'm like he always goes back and messes with it so go back and like do a special edition and they've, they've cleaned up some things and they've done it's like what he wanted to do originally but they didn't, couldn't do it at the time so then he goes back and fixes it later and i'm kind of the same way if you put a painting in front of me or so a he's drawing, a Probably. <laughs> if you put something in front of me and I have, you know, and there's no end date where it's off and printed and done and out there. I'll just sit there and I'll keep adjusting it. I'll keep, no, I don't like it. I might love a picture, the colors that I did and all this stuff. And then I look at it again and kind of go, oh, I hate it now. Yeah. You know, I look at it too me long. Too. Me too. You'll, you'll love it and then you'll kind of look back at it and go, what the hell was I thinking? Me too. Yeah. And it's like this really interesting thing because it's like people still, other people looked at it and went, yeah, I love it. It's great. But then like you've stared at it too long and you've gotten to the point now where it's like you're in yourself going, I hate it. What did I do? Almost embarrassed. That's the word. Someone said, um, I think someone asked Kendrick Lamar, how, how does he know when something is done? He said, when he gets to the point where he starts touching things and just fucking with shit that doesn't need to be touched anymore. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. when he knows it's done. Yeah. But you're just, you're just, just you're like picking you're, at it. Mm. It's like, oh, okay. This right. Is, oh, and when people were like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, that's, that's that thing that you keep tinkering with it and fixing it. And let me just do a little more and then you can ruin it. Oh yeah. Even now, sometimes songs that are done that I've recorded a long time ago, I'm like, Ooh, I'd love to go back in and, and and so sometimes I will I will skip a song that is perfectly fine, but I just I cannot listen to it because I want to go fix that one thing. Sometimes it's a word. But you see, the like, difference between could and would drives me nuts. You when think I'm of like like the most iconic songs of all time mm. or artists of all time, different genres, whatever it is. But like take like Thriller, yeah, and just tweak a little something because he thought maybe let me just tweak it's he ruined it mm -hmm. it was fine the way it was <laughs> exactly you know but if you went back and in like oh maybe you might not like it as much mm -hmm. now look it might there's and not saying that every change is bad because sometimes you, you do a remix or whatever and it's great but like changing the original or 
you know, adjusting a painting to be a little bit different or doing, changing a word. Yes. It can mess the whole thing up. Yeah. And so when you're done and people have, the good thing for me is like it's in print or it's out, it's gone. I can't change it now. It's already gone. It's it's out there. So that's good for me because it's like now I can't change it because if I change it, then it looks ridiculous. (laughs) Because then it's like, well, it looks different, you know, Mm. versus like especially personal things like doing like drawing personally or drawing what it's never done ever and I have paintings different things you know never done never done tweak it I don't like it anymore and it's such a weird feeling yeah so I don't know it's resonating though yeah what you're saying for sure so where do you see yourself you know what do you what do you want to accomplish this year? The rest of the year that you have? The rest of the year that I have. I really want to get my first big placement. Like I've written songs for people who are they're good, but they're not they're not there. Mm. I want my first big placement. Yeah. This year. Yeah. Yeah, it's March. It's, it could happen. The time. Yeah, have time. Because I have like a catalog. I have, and I really, I, that's like, for all of the other, the insecurities that I have, which is like quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Everyone has some. Yeah. I'm, I'm very confident in my songwriting. Good. And I recognize that it just takes me being in the right room, in the right place at the right time. So I'm excited about seeing that happen. Um, I feel like there's other things that I want to do out of just like excitement and living life, but mm-hmm. that's like a that's like a, a like my goal, like my first big placement. I will feel. I I I I can't wait to find out how I feel when I get that. That's like the. I think that is the feeling that I'm chasing, is the feeling of my first big placement. 2022. I like it. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Sitting down. Thank you for telling me that story. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did not know all those things about you. So <laughs> yeah, I'm was, glad we um, got to get to it. Yeah, that was, you know, incredible. So I appreciate it. Thank you for being so honest and thank you, you know, for having me i can't wait to see what you do yes and i i appreciate you i feel like um being in la now for like a couple of months like i've been on a couple different sets and everyone's just everyone's moving yeah, so it's, it's, ha- it's hard it's so hard to like run into people because you're are, working yeah, yeah it's work yeah so it's so hard to run into people who are just like let me take the time to find out about you as a person yeah or like, mm, you have a story. I really want to know what it is. Yeah. So like, I appreciate like having like finding somebody who's just like, oh my god, look, it's a human with a story. Yeah. And you know, like things that I like would care to know about, like that. Yeah. Like, I thank you for being that person yeah. I, on set. Thank me. Thank you for coming. <laughs> thank you for coming because it's it's one of those things where people. There's a lot of people with with crazy just different things that have happened to them or things but not everyone wants to be a lesson yeah not everyone wants to share which is okay not everyone 
the odd thing is is not a lot of people feel like people care which is really sad and that's one thing I've noticed is that people people that I know I, I'm trying to get you know them to sit down and do it because I'm like you I could talk to you for hours I've mm-hmm. talked to you for hours and you're so interesting and they're like mm-hmm. nobody wants to hear anything you know and they I have a, a photographer friend of mine she's she helps she is uh it's funny you say you're, you're not French but you you speak French mm-hmm. like she's she was born in France in 1942 okay <laughs> just get different right <laughs> um but like 1942 France is like mm, that's a different period for sure. not a good time to yeah, be born yeah. in France yeah. yeah and um she was this you know like one of the first women in France born to be a photographer and she was you know has this was rebelling against this you know that that tie in the 60s and stuff and and you know coming here and all doing all these things and she's listing the people she's worked with it was like her brits and all these huge photographers yeah um and i and then and, but then she was sharing with me like other things that were interesting and i'm like and she kept going and i was like well i gotta have you come sit down she's like no one wants to hear that and i was like are you out of your mind <laughs> like what is wrong and that's such a common thing people are like nobody cares yeah and it's this kind of weird culture we have now because everything's out in the open on social media but it's not well the truth is that some people don't care because well, they care some about, don't yeah. but but like i think a lot of the things that are out there are not real so like we're more connected than ever before but we're not you know and so, like, when I can talk to you and hear all these things, I never would have known. Because looking at your social media is mostly work. Like, mine, it's all work. Mm-hmm. I don't even think my face is on it. Yeah. And you would never get to know me. And so I'm like, well, I want to hear these things and not have to be rushed either. So we can sit and, like, not worry about it and just talk. And so that, that was always important for me was that I kind of, like, I want to make sure they talk. Like, let them, yeah. you know. Like your friend, like don't don't like step on someone trying to talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you know, go from there. But um, I've never been bored sitting here. Yay! It's been just like one thing after another. Where I'm like, wow, like it's just, and you get to like hear people and their their perspectives without it being a debate. You know, hear where they come from. Thing, and it helps you kind of to form your own from where I'm coming sitting helps me to kind of go oh it's interesting I could never would have thought of it that way I really wonder how that's gonna inform just your general perspective on life moving just forward with the having amount of people like, all these different people yeah and all it's these. uh they're all so different yeah which is great and I like that because I get bored really easily I just as an artist and someone who, who well always, you're really good at this Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're really good at this. Like, I, I, I'm looking, looking forward to... The Virgo to... in me is saying, go on. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no but, I, sure. but I, I, it's something that I enjoy. Yeah. It's something I don't make money off of. I don't have any ads on it. There's nobody... At this stage in time, there's mm-hmm. a very small audience for it, and I just have been enjoying it. So that's why my plan is just to keep doing it. and For fun and see where it goes. Do it, you know, it's just... But it's solely like a hobby. Yeah. I have my own stuff we gotta do. We have our own stuff, and but like this is solely just something that. But that's it, nice. You need a pressure-free something. It's something that's like not like we were talking about surface stuff. Yeah. That's all I do. You know, campaigns, or we do music videos, or we do, and you know, photo shoots and different things, and it's just completely been 
it's like slick. Yeah. And so this is something where I can like talk to people, which has not always been my best strong suit because I, you know, I'm very easily introverted. Mm. So it's something where I can just I could not talk to people for a week and be fine. <laughs> you know, as long yeah. as I have like food, you know, I've gotten to the point where even if I have like deliveries, I'm like don't want to talk to the person. To the I'm person, just, just leave, it. leave it at the door. <laughs> I'll grab it. You know, it's it's my personality is like that. I like to like be reclusive. Yeah. So this forces me into that. So thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. And uh, tell everyone where to find you. Yes. Uh, follow me on um, Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. And spell it for them. So that At can... first name Mbala. First name Mbala on uh, Twitter and Instagram. On TikTok it's M8ALLA. And I'll tag you in them so that way we can do it. And then um, we'll see everybody later. All right. Thank you. Bye.